<laughs> Karen, welcome. Thanks. And Piney, who's got a non-destructible or indestructible, I guess, dog toy. So we think. Yeah, yes. Don't put it past them. I, I, I would not. <laughs> it could become a destroyed dog toy. It's true. So if listeners, you hear some squeaking in the background, that would be, uh, you know, teeth on rubber, I guess. Yeah. Hard rubber. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Cattle dog tendencies. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I've been I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. The stars just haven't aligned until right now. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of stars, Scorpio. Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, um I was trying to work backwards. So I knew of you from RPI in 2018. Yeah. But we didn't meet until gravel camp. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never not be funny. <laughs> I I know. It, and the and the fact that Rebecca puts them on in the first place and just sets up all of the infrastructure, throws the people in the pot and it just is like magical and it was beautiful it, yeah it was really beautiful and full spectrum too like you had everything from you know the very beginner beginner who has never descended what did she say i've not she was like i've never descended faster than you know seven miles per hour before downhill so you have that person that's going into the back country of idaho all the way up to like you know professional racers yeah. And everybody jived. Like, it was such a great, what was it, four days? Like, yep. Yeah, four. It was, that was really pivotal. It was an amazing trip. It was really cool. And I was, was working. Uh, I guess. I guess. <laughs> you get, yeah, I guess you were, weren't you? Apparently, I was, yeah, yeah. I was working. <laughs> Facilitating, steering, guiding, giving guidance. You know, just pushing guys around in the long bike rides. Exactly. (laughs) Pushing, dragging. Whatever word you want. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It, and, uh, and then I, and I don't know kind of how to describe it, but I feel like we saw each other and just this really nice conversation started. And it started like the right away. (laughs) I think I said, fuck you, like the first, one of the, it may be just in my mind, but. uh, After I introduced myself. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I was like, God damn it. This is going to be, I'm going to say things I don't want to say. I don't want people to know. And he's going to know it all by these four days. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. No, it was. um, It was, it was super fun. I mean, I had, despite me really trying not to have fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not to like your bike not to like my bike yeah, yeah. it was it was almost like therapy for me almost and, well okay I it mean, was therapy yeah. it didn't necessarily help my relationship you know with with the bike as um but i don't know what it, what the rest of the year would have been like without that exactly. those four days so who knows mm-hmm. but it was pretty darn fun oh i mean i think that was one of the biggest hits of you know this past year of not getting to do that again yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i mean and what a cool location to rent the that ranch it couldn't have been better <laughs> over like, trail creek road i mean i don't know mm-hmm. on the way to Mackey, i guess uh 
yeah. Sort of. I, it's Somewhere funny because <laughs> I was guiding you guys and I am a broken navigator. So I could not <laughs> tell you <laughs> where we were. Although I work really hard. Like I understand like how to load a map on my Garmin and how to follow it. But, um, you know, tell me east, west. And if I'm not in my valley and with like, you know, how I have myself associated, I can't tell you like east, west. So, you know, never eat soggy waffles. Like that's how I know. But, um, <laughs> So yeah, we were we were outside of Ketchum. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, I think we were to the east. Well, so it's actually a part of um, the race course, and my only other association with that yeah. that location was the bike race. And I remember <clears throat> coming up and over uh, the first climb that day, and I was like, wow. It is so beautiful. Like, I had no idea. Like, I was back the, here for four hours once and I never saw a thing. I didn't see anything <laughs> but the wheel in front of me and my stem and like blood in my eyeballs. But I, it yes. was like, there's creeks. There's like, it's just, it was such a gift to get a different perspective of some place that you tried to just get through as fast as possible yeah. in a race. Um, I, yeah, it's such beautiful backcountry. It was, it's absolutely true that, that it was very different. I <laughs> like to, to be there going at a not high pressure pace yeah. or trying to, I need to get there before the, I need to get back over this hill before the cramps stop me from. Yeah. Getting. You're the notorious cramper, right? Uh, you know, on, um, in 2018, it wasn't bad. Good. Uh, 20. What is it with cramping, though? It's uh, it's when you're exceeding uh, what your body is trained to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, there there are some hydration and electrolyte arguments for it, but yeah, um, th that's all the the science on that is equivocal. Um, meaning there are some people who get you know cramp and are dehydrated, and some people cramp are not. Some people have electrolyte imbalances and cramp, and some people have electrolyte imbalances and do not cramp, and blah blah blah. But it's mostly yeah. the thing that seems to be the most common is that. You're either going at a higher intensity, um, you know, peak intensity than you've trained yourself for, right. or you're going at a higher intensity for a lot longer. Right. And, and I think that's, I was just poking more towards what your preparation might have been or might not have been for the event. <laughs> um, I believe the latter might, the, the, the not preparation. <laughs> if you could see Piney's yeah. face right now. He's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, and you were just, he was just a little, he was a little pup too. Yeah. When he and Sparkle met. He was, yeah. He was, um, was he even one? I don't remember. I don't think so. That was our first road trip together. And now he's going to think you're going to play with him this whole time. I know. I touched the toy. You did. Yeah. You're doomed. <laughs> it's okay. He can, you know, Piney, you can be on the podcast. He probably right. will. I, he, yeah, I'm guessing there'll be a little vocalization of, I know you want to just, you've been driving all day. So, yeah, 2019, you were racing around on the back of a motorcycle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. With, oh, that was so fun. Uh, that was a hoot. I mean, what a different perspective, right, too. Like, Oh, uh, and a different rate of speed. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I can go 45 miles an hour without doing anything? thing <laughs> yeah, well well the, well the like uh so that year I wasn't racing I tr started the season trying to race trying to race trying to race taking breaks thinking I was just burnt out and then I realized I was actually 
pretty injured and um, still wanted to be a part of RPI just because anything Rebecca puts on, you say yes to. Because you'll always have a good time. Um, so and then if, even if you try to say no later, you'll get, you, yeah. you get voluntold that you're coming. <laughs> you'll end up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Reba asked if I would uh, help with some of the commentating and the like on uh, course on the back of a moto um, with a Tour de France moto driver. And I was like, uh, yeah, of course. Sure. <laughs> sure. Why would I why would I not do that? Exactly. <laughs> like, uh, looking back a little bit, uh, I mean, I did a lot of things with my hip I probably shouldn't have that year, but sitting on a moto like that for six hours um, was worth the price of admission. So your hip. Was gone. Was gone. Um, you had raced on it injured for a while and tried to, so 2019, you uh, crusher. 2019 crushed. was implosion. Crusher it, it crushed, crushed me. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a series of crushing of that year and just not um, accepting it was injury. I thought it was my head. I thought I just wasn't training hard enough. I thought, you know, I wasn't. Um, it is very funny looking back and seeing where my mindset was. <laughs> it's like, would you describe yourself as stubborn? <laughs> yes. And I think awareness is the first step. Uh, of maybe changing uh, I, that at some point, but I've heard, or you just know. accepting that is a part of me. Hi, my name's Karen, and I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm stubborn. <laughs> you know, aren't we? We're supposed to Hi, love man. all parts of ourselves. Why, yes, yeah. And it is a lot of my advantage of how I've gotten where I am today because I'm stubborn. But it does work against me. In, in, in this case, it definitely worked against me. And I mean, I had one good race. I did Moab Rocks um, and ended up second. And I had a couple good stages that I was kind of close to Katarina, at least for a while, at least. Okay. Um, but that was the first time, too, where I would like, like, especially the first day you climb uh, Sand Flats Road um, and then you descend yeah. Porcupine. So it's just a very long climb, which is usually uh, one of my favorite things to do, <laughs> just grinding a yeah. really long climb. And, uh, you know, I get like about 30 minutes out of it. And then my power of my left leg would just kind of go limp. And it's just kind of a long for the ride. So I was able to kind of fake it a bit that um, just like squeeze as much as I could out of it. Mm -hmm. that. And luckily with the technical riding, with descending, I think that helps to my advantage. Um, but then you get into gravel racing and you have um, you're always pedaling. So uh, that was on that. Moab Rocks is a mountain bike race. Yes. Moab Rocks is a three-day stage race in Moab, um, primarily all single track uh, and shorter days too. So okay. they, um, you know, you're under three hours, I would say. Oh, there you go. There we go. Hi, Piney. Um, let, let, let me go a little bit further yeah. back into How did this start? How did what start? Like bike racing. Oh my gosh. We're going way back. I mean, we should, yeah. you, you know, just sort of establish the... Well... Piney, come here. Come here. Come here. Because um, <laughs> born and raised in the Midwest? Born and raised in the Midwest. Uh, youngest of three, two older brothers. Grew up on a farm. Very small little town. You know, typical, uh, you know, I taught Sunday school. I was on the mock trial team. I was, you know, captain of the softball team. Played basketball. Um 
you know, it's it was looking back, you know, it's obviously a really great upbringing. Oh yeah. Uh, but not. So your, you're outside <coughs> outdoors a lot. I was outdoors a lot. Yeah, snowmobiling. Uh, I definitely got a lot of motorized responsibilities taken away from me as a kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my dad. This one time. Um, like in the so we grew up on a farm and we would snowmobile the fields and uh he one day just like let me take the snowmobile and he would tell me you know you have to keep it under a certain speed i was like okay yeah 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 and i would go over the hill and then i would just open it way uh, like as my and he always knew it's not like like he couldn't hear right but i thought he (laughs) (laughs) like come over the hill but he can't see me (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, so definitely. And then as uh, in high school, I had a, um, <laughs> I had a Honda Accord, and I always would like like to like really like peel out of the driveway so I could like kick up a little bit of gravel. <laughs> Uh, so you've been kicking up gravel for a while. It's, yeah, it's not, not my first rodeo, yeah. this gravel thing. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know, I just it's just fun. And so my dad put a muffler on my car that was like that really high-pitched squeal, thinking it would prevent me from doing it. But I just loved it, too, because it added oomph to it, you yeah. know? And so it didn't prevent me from, from peeling out of the peel- farm. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then did that come with some suspension eventually or no i mean my dad built a so my dad actually was a uh, mechanic on like a dirt track race crew growing up um so like going fast is always our so he he couldn't really it's just like he created this apple tree yeah not too far can't be mad can't be mad yeah no no can't (laughs) be and uh um yeah no it was a fun fun way to grow up but uh, needless to say bike racing was not something that was like i was formed to do i would say or like guided to do uh you know uh in college i picked up um did you go to school still in the midwest yes i went to college in uh mankato so minnesota state okay um and my undergrad is in Athletic training. I was an athletic trainer, um, and then I had uh, other minor, uh, two minors in uh, corporate and community fitness and psychology. Um, <laughs> so you could observe yourself doing no. all sorts of silly stuff and go, "Man, I know what I know. Why I just can't stop myself from." <laughs> I can ig- I can see it and I can ignore it pretty easily. Okay, and, and uh, but I yeah exactly. <laughs> You know, just enough to be, oh, I mean, I have like so many examples of just knowing just enough. Um, mm. uh, <laughs> sorry. I mean, I just love my dog. He's so I, cute right he now. He is so cute. <laughs> Piney, you are a handsome young man. Boy. He's a man now. He's yeah. a, Oh, tomorrow's his birthday. <gasps> really? Two. Two years old. So you're so you're fourteen. So he's fourteen. Yeah. Yep. Is that man? I don't even know. But so with cycling, I didn't start. I so in college, um, I w- really wanted. I was going to play softball. So my sport growing up was softball, which I think okay. people think is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I yeah. associate that with. Um, what. 
Well, my friend Zoe, she's a climber. Uh-huh. She's an internationally certified guide, lives in France. She's done, you know, a fair number of things. When she played softball in college, she, uh, I, I think she would, I'm going to, I might mess this up, but she'll tell me, um, if, uh, she might've been like the, the pinch hitter, like she was, she could send it. Yeah. And she, she carried a, she gained a lot of weight right. in order to be able to do that. So I, and so her picture yeah, is from exactly. college. I'm just like, you, you're not a climber in college you are not and then so that's what you know my that's my only connection to softball other than like seeing the olympics or whatever but yeah is that so i was like yeah i needed to be able to like really put right. some oomph on the bat totally and weight moves weight so i was 25 pounds heavier okay um and i was a pitcher too uh so i'll have to show you there's this and you don't have shoulder <laughs> issues now so, well, I have like crepitus, like I have like, but okay. with the, with the softball throw, it's a natural motion of the shoulder. It's with the baseball pitchers. So my brothers yeah. were baseball pitchers, and their shoulders are fucked. Yeah. Um, or my oldest brother played in college, or my middle brother played in college, and he his shoulder, he's had surgeries. Um, <clears throat> but so that I decided I didn't want to pursue that in college. I wanted yeah. to focus on my education because you can't. Um, that's when I thought I wanted to go into athletic training and then, um, become a PA orthopedic PA after, but you couldn't do that and be an athlete because you had for athletic training, like you had to outside of your, you know, your credit hours, you had to be there with the athletes when they were practicing, you had to be there at the games. So you can't be two people basically. So that's when I made the choice of, um, you know, not being an athlete anymore per se and focusing on uh, my education. So, but that's when I, I got a, um, I bought a Le Monde. Here. Outstanding. <laughs> um, with one of like the 10 jobs I had and, uh, and I would just like ride the everywhere. And I remember like guys in trucks, like asking me if I needed a ride, if I was lost, if like, um, you know, it's like, I think that's before cycling was kind of more known. I mean, it was also Minnesota too. Or, uh, Minnesota's actually really, really cycling forward. For yeah. whatever reason, um, people thought it was weird that I rode my bike everywhere at that time. Um, and then I picked up swimming because I had a huge crush on the swim coach and <laughs> I the, got really good the, at swimming. On the coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> I got real. I took nice. a I took a class too, and like I was like, you know, I got I got really good at swimming at the time, <laughs> <laughs> and running. So I was like, oh, maybe I want to do triathlete triathlons, uh, and but I didn't. Um, I just kept um, doing those things on my at my spare time, but really liked the cycling. <clears throat> um, and so at that point, it was just all riding on the road. Yeah. I mean, some- I didn't start mountain biking until I moved out to Colorado um, after college, and uh, that's when I was still on the PA route. Okay. And I was working in a PT, a PT clinic to get patient experience before going to PA school. And I was applied and accepted um, to Red Rocks in Denver PA, for PA school. But so I did medical crew for Race Across America for some local women. Nice. Um, what year was that? Oh my god, two thousand eight. Yes. I'd have to. 
I'd have to queue up the Billy Innes podcast just to find, because I don't remember what year they did that. It would have been a, it would have been a bit before then, oh, okay. though, I think. Um, and through that, I also had a broken leg at the time. Um, <laughs> a broken fibula. That's a whole nother story of like knowing just enough to make bad decisions with my body. <laughs> uh, there was a skiing accident. Okay. I was going to say, do tell. Uh, it was, you know, you move out to the mountains and yeah. you just like, I mean, I'm like a kid in the candy store of like, there's all these fun things to do. And, you know, I don't really know how to do any of them, but I can kind of always manage to figure it out. And I... You're not unathletic. I can do some things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or at least fake it until I make it. Um, and <laughs> I started... Um, backcountry skiing with some guys and so we were doing a lot of boot packing and I created a stress fracture um in my fibula it wasn't some glorious I was it gets I, better okay <laughs> I was gonna say you you landed you stuck your first you know backflip off a cliff and oh it doesn't get that good <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> definitely like, I've never we were doing a lot of boot packing I'm like wait stress fracture yeah 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 I wasn't steps. a great skier um but anyway <laughs> Um, and so the last day on the mountain, there's always a big party on top of Vail at Chair 4. It's mm -hmm. called, it's called Chair 4 at 4. Okay. And, um, I was dressed as a Viking woman, as every good Midwestern girl should be should for be. a yeah. party. Okay. Um, and, you know, like fur on my boots and like yeah. this fur vest and like, you know, like a leather skirt and, um, and, uh, you know, partook in partying yeah. at chair four at four as one does i mean why go if you're not going to <laughs> if you're not going to go all in yeah don't go yeah <laughs> exactly so and uh so we're skiing down and i'm trying to keep up with someone that i shouldn't be trying to keep up with and i go you know, and it's also spring, so like snow consistency yeah. is very different, especially at late in the day, especially not in your um, kids don't do this, but yeah. <laughs> and if you do, wear a helmet. <laughs> I was wearing a helmet. Oh. But, uh, um, <laughs> but it was like a Viking helmet with horns on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was still a helmet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I made a turn from like a sunny spot into a shaded spot that was icy. And just caught an edge and crashed, um, and my dens didn't release, and I my fibula broke in the boot. But I was um, pain relieved, as you would. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, um, and I, you know, um, so I skied down. <laughs> you preemptively relieved your pain. Right. Yeah. Uh, so skied down. Obviously, couldn't ski turn one direction as well as I could turn the other direction. But I managed to get myself down, left all my stuff at the base of the mountain, and hobbled my way to the bar. Proceeded. <laughs> Meanwhile, I mean, I have like snow rash everywhere. Um, and I, uh, I mean, it's definitely not one of my finer moments, um, but it happened. <laughs> it happened. So, yeah. whatever. And um, I went back to the bar, met my friends, um, and proceeded to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And uh, luckily I had one, well, I had I have good friends, but one friend in particular who, you know, was just a very good voice of reason of like, you know, maybe we should go to the emergency room because you could definitely see that my leg was not uh, correctly shapen. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but I just was like, no, I think I just need some ice. 
Uh, so they just pr- I have a spot at a at the bar where I could just ice my leg and clean up my snow rash. <laughs> and I didn't want to go home, so I didn't go home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this friend convinced me. He's like, you know, just you know, at least like like let's just get you cleaned up. At least just stay I'll stay on my couch. Um, so like we know everything's okay. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's fine. And um, I was like, well, at least I need, like, in case I do have to go to the ER, like, I need to go put different clothes on. Cause I, I don't want to show up as a Viking. Because there's probably other okay. Vikings in the ER at that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that would just be awkward. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> um, so I can just, I can remember the moment I, you know, my pain relief dissipated. Yeah. And I was like, I have to go to the ER completely broken um and i was put in a boot you know for yeah. the time so that was the time in which i crewed for race across america okay um and so that basically you're what starting in san diego you're in an rv and yeah and you're just going across country yeah doing support for these women and we had a lot of um things on our team of women we had this one woman who put the team together she was from the uk um, she had epilepsy, and that was the one thing they really wanted people with medical experience on for. Okay. I don't even remember. I mean, it's so long ago. It was within the first couple days she had a seizure. And we, Whoa. yeah. And so we kind of like benched her because, you know, the, the things that spark other seizures are yeah. all things that get tested in an, endur- endur- in an endurance sport. Uh, and especially that one, like sleep. Yeah. Nobody's sleeping. Or lack thereof. Lack thereof. (laughs) Nutrition, (laughs) hydration, you know. Um, So then, like, the team of five became a team of four. And it's kind of a blur because the crew sleeps even less than, like, the the people. So anyway, but that experience, I was like, you know, I kind of want to be the athlete now again. Like, I don't really want (laughs) to. Look after. Look after the athletes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anymore and one of the women um had like a spare bike and um mountain bike and we she would take me uh, out on like sunrise rides in our where i live in the Vale valley um and it was just like it was done i was like i just want to there's so much i haven't experienced yet in this um where i was living that i couldn't accept the rushing back into school so i just um i was all accepted to go to pa school and i just didn't go (laughs) that was like the first big change i think uh (laughs) and you know i went from having like you know a pretty secure path to starting to really follow what i wanted to do and that's been kind of the thing it's been, you know, the ongoing. And I think yeah. it'll just continue to be the ongoing thing. It seems like it. I hope seems, it is. I hope so, too. I hope it is yeah. for everybody. Wouldn't and I? it's not easy. I mean, it was hard for a long time. Um, I was working working a lot, of jo- a lot of jobs and just not really knowing, like, what I wanted in mountain biking. Oh, so best thing, that whole summer of learning how to mountain bike, my fibula was still broken. <laughs> I was just going to say, what else did you break? <laughs> no, so, <laughs> Somehow it felt like that was leading. Yeah, to... that was like, I um, don't do this. So I am, I'm good at like figuring these things out for other people, what not to do. Okay. 
Um, I would take my leg out of the boot and as an athletic trainer, I got really good at taping things. Yeah. I would tape my shin and my leg together to create like a false sense of brace mm-hmm. and I would manually clip my foot into my pedal on that leg and go for road rides and then have to manually unclip. But anyway, so that... Yeah, because yeah. I'm guessing like that pivot, the twist to click out... Yeah, it just... Probably yeah. would overwhelm your... Uh, yeah, just Whatever pain the, relief. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I learned how to mountain bike that year, and I was just, I could remember, I would have to clip out for descents. So I'm descending one-legged, and but just loving it. So that's it. how you got so good. <laughs> Crashing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Learning how to be super unbalanced on descents. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just going to look up uh, a text I received. Oh, no. <laughs> Nothing's safe. Nothing is safe. We're in the... We're in the we're in the safe zone. Uh, da, da, da. Man, I, I I'm gonna have I won't have to go back that far because uh, it's just a, it, was, it it would have been around the time of uh, Breck Epic, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'll get, I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll circle back and interrupt in a second when I find it. <laughs> it's just uh, so that's kind of, that's my intro to mountain biking, and I can just remember like, oh my god, this sport is just like the best sport in the world. But man, it hurts so much, and like I just thought that was normal. I thought that was the like yeah what it should feel like. Um, Piney agrees. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was my that was like my f- first mistake of like not acknowledging real pain and yeah. real injury, uh, and it exasperated. Uh, well, and so I went back to skiing that year, and the guy I was dating at the time would like what got me to like actually go in to like get it checked out again. He said he wouldn't ski with me anymore until I did because you know I could only really ski well on groomers. Like yeah. anything variable, it was literally just fulcruming the fracture every time I pressed my boot. And like grinding those bone ends together when something else should have been happening. Well, the they healed, it formed a non-union fracture, so it was yeah. just dangling in there. It was just doing so anytime I pressed huh. my boot, it just pushed the uh, fractured bones apart from each other. Yeah. Um, and so then I had surgery like two days after I went in, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was my introduction to mountain biking. <laughs> that was a really long introduction, <laughs> introduction to, mountain to mountain biking. <laughs> it's, it's not, I, I kind of wonder if everyone has something similar, like I, I, I started on a junior development team, and then I had a coach, and yeah. I had like the strength. But no, I didn't have any of that shit. <laughs> I mean, my only my best memory or clearest memory of learning how to ride a mountain bike was like looking up at the sky and wondering what just happened. Oh no, you turtled. Yeah. The, oh, a lot. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and I and I was learning. I mean, this was I started riding. I got a mountain bike and actually started riding at all when I was in Israel and oh, wow. th- and the train this park that I would go to all the time was super rocky like yeah. apparently you know it, I mean what I know now it's yeah. some somewhat technical 
<laughs> as opposed to I'd imagine like, it's really technical beautiful flowy dirt that yeah. I found in Michigan later <laughs> like what I was like oh this is what they mean because I'm like flow are you kidding it's like I flowed between wrecks you know or whatever <laughs> but I, I I was falling down so much or something was happening that um I got like really bad carpal tunnel or tendonitis in my wrists uh-huh. to the point where I couldn't cut my meat like I would go to oh, a restaurant wow. to try and eat and I'd be like do you have lamb meatballs and like something really soft that I can <laughs> you know maybe have with this I know I'm I'm not that old yet that I need just a like spoon you know or right. something for everything but but it was it was there was a about 10 days where it was really bad and I was like I, yeah. I really love doing this I just don't know if I can Funny, there is this company called Ergon that makes uh, grips for that reason. Really? To alleviate that uh, pinching in the carpal tunnel. (laughs) See? Had I known. That's so funny. But but the only reason, and so when I decided, it was a period of time, this was like, uh, I would have bought a bike in January of 2014. Yeah. In Israel, and I was traveling for jobs a lot, and I would always take a road bike. Right. And it's super dangerous to ride on the road in Israel. I mean, really, really dangerous. Every time I'd see a, like I'd rode twice and realize I'm going to fucking die because for, for whatever reason. And every time I saw a group ride, there'd be like a blocking vehicle behind them oh, wow. to, you know, to keep them from getting hit or mm-hmm. whatever. And so somebody said, oh, you should get a mountain bike. And I was just like, I tried to find the store I found on the map. I took a wrong turn in Tel Aviv and ended up at like the tiny bike store. Oh, sweet. Happened to be the Yeti dealer. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. And not the importer, but like the, the Yeti dealer in Tel Aviv. And the guy who imported Yeti into Israel, who lived up in Haifa, was in there that day. And so I ended up, I had, I'm like, I want to buy a mountain bike. And the only reference point I had for riding a mountain bike at that time was Vince Anderson. Oh, Vince. I love Vince. Me too. Ugh. And he was just like so into the single speed. I mean, well, still is. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so I thought I'd probably want a single speed 29er. Oh, jeez. <laughs> which is what I got. I got a Yeti big top, which I called the clown bike. Nice. Cause, and a single speed. And, and uh, that's awesome. That's all I rode when I was there. And then I ended up, I did one single speed race when I got to Michigan in, um, in May of 2014 and just realized like, no, nope, I'm in, I'm a guy, I like gears. I, yeah. you know, it, it was, I, I had to run, you know, cause if you, if you can't carry the speed, if yeah. somebody like drops the fucking cassette in front of you when you hit the first hill and you have to dismount and you're riding single speed, it's, um, yeah, it was no fun. Yeah. But, um, in fact, it, so this text that I'm going to read you is from Vince. Oh, Vince. And this is Piney, from Piney wants to hear it too. June of 2019, we were at gravel camp, and uh, or had just um, done. We were somehow talking. I said, I "Also, just spent the um, the last four days with Karen Jarko. Uh, we talked about you." And I said, "I'll try and stop. I'm going to go uh, visit some people. I'll try and stop by Grand Junction." And he said, "Oh yeah, she's a great rider, really <laughs> strong, and can rip the downhill." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How'd you run into her? And then we continued. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, well, those are nice words he gave you. It's really nice. Yeah. And, I'm, um, glad, I'm glad he just chose the nice ones. I, I, I mean, I'm, there, there are probably others. It's <laughs> probably like, she beat me in this one race and I'll never forgive her and, uh, <laughs> or something like that. That's <laughs> Vince is one of the best. I just think he has like the best vibe when it comes to racing and just life in general and like anytime oh. you run into him at an event, I know it's going to be a good time. Like, yeah. Yeah. he's just the best. And he's so... Um, there's like the very sort of strict and dedicated to training or to to accomplish the task when he's got the task and yeah. then in this beautiful off switch yeah. he's just like oh i'm done with that now i can just we'll just listen to some have you ever had one of his margaritas not that i remember probably then yes you probably have <laughs> i seem to remember something uh, the answer is yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, no, he and Colleen are, I love those guys. Yeah, yeah. they're great. And they're, his kids are just, I don't know. They just, they have it. They're doing a good job. Yes. <laughs> they're living life. The, the, those, th- yeah, those kids. I think I share the, I think with, I share, uh, I think Maxon is born on November 2nd. So he's, uh, he's got a Scorpio under yeah, his hands. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope to run into him again. Soon. Yeah, me too. I know this weird world we're in. Yeah. Um, so you had surgery. Oh, yeah. To, t- to take care <laughs> of this sort of issue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, so, but I tried, and, yeah, I tried to race through it. Like I did, uh, so Moab Rocks was like the first thing where I was like, this feels weird. Oh, I don't I'm know. talking about the tib fit thing, not. Oh, not the hip? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so. <laughs> I still went back in time because oh, right. th- anyway, because you, because to get to Moab Rocks, you had to do a, have done a little bit of racing before then. Yeah, I've been racing since. Um, well, I mean, that what was that? Two thousand eight was when I uh, broke my leg. So I think it was two thousand ten. I started racing just okay. locally. Um, and my oh, this is my first bike race. I got spine boarded off the course we're just bringing i'm just gonna sound like a train wreck <laughs> i swear i do know how to ride a bike but vince you said you were good down. on the downhill what because i have fallen a lot uh, <laughs> and ah. i've gotten up from those falls thankfully uh but yeah i i don't really have like a i mean i don't i'm not like a i'm very risk tolerant i would say yeah okay um so I think by being that mindset, um, I learned my edge really quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and I learned how to push it pretty quickly. Yeah. But um, so yeah, my first bike race, like I was pretty quick on the uphill, um, and it was our it's our local series, and um, I would notice that I would pass all these guys on the uphill, and then I would just like keep them all up on the downhill. Okay. So the second lap, I was like, well, I just won't use my brakes as much on the downhill this next time so i'm not in anybody's way or i'm less in their way oh you were holding them up. i was like holding you yeah. stay with them but then you get in front of them on the single track and you didn't descend as well at that time at that time i was terrible yeah. at descending okay um and i think this just turned off oh oh there we go um and uh so long story short hit a sage bush you know flew off my bike landed on my head got knocked out um, had to get spine 
just really quick, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I live in a really small community too, so it kind of was like a reputation for a while, unfortunately. Like I'd run into like the firemen at the grocery store and they'd be like, hey, hey. Karen! <laughs> <laughs> um, Karen, you racing this weekend? Yeah, no, I didn't race at all. That I think that was my last race. Well, and that was also like I was like in between those two worlds of like I used to, you know, not take care of myself as well. And I used to, you know, drink a lot. And um, I was trying to do both worlds at the same time. And that doesn't necessarily work. Okay. So that was like that tipping point of like, okay, well, I'm not going to race. You know, I went back to like that other kind of lifestyle for a while. And then the next year I was like, you know what? I really want to give this a go. I I don't know what to do. I'm going to do this 12-hour race solo in Mesa Verde because it's going to give me 12 hours to learn how to race, to ride and race a bike Yeah, where it's not in my community. So I won't like embarrass myself of getting spine boarded from <laughs> the guys I know of the, on the fire crew. And like, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it'll be a fun party. Like my friends did this crew and we had costumes uh, and, uh, and it was good. I mean, I did well. I placed um, and it was just kind of like, history after then i was just addicted after then oh yeah i mean i was like then i was like oh i want to do you know 12 hour solos you know i want to do all these big endurance ones and i was like oh i did 12 hours now i should just do 18 hours it's just six more hours like what's that you know yeah and if you're gonna do 18 you may as well do 24 well no because 18 or, was my last of that because there's oh, okay. a distinct difference between 12 and 18 i found out <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I used to always say something like, yeah, you can always, you know, anybody can fake it for X amount of time or right. whatever. And you can probably, if you pay some attention, get through X yeah. plus Y amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then after that, you actually need to prepare and have some ex you know. I also think, especially like for me in that case, it was more um, when my want goes away, my motivation goes away. Okay. And I think when I got to the point where I was like, I don't really want to be on my bike right now. Like I don't, if I learned from that event that I, there was a, there was a point in which I was like, if I'm on my bike for X amount of time and I get to that long period of like, I want to be anywhere but here right now. I probably shouldn't do that distance. That's probably not my distance. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it took yeah. me a year. I mean, that was 2011. Um, so I, I started kind of taking it more seriously 2011. Um, and um, then, I mean, it's endurance. Uh, so like I was racing elites right away. Um, but then I kind of like morphed into like where my sweet spot was. And in mountain biking, I think it was or just any event in general, I really like that four to five hour race mm -hmm. time mark um, because you can throttle it pretty good in that. I like that's my sweet spot of like I can keep up a good pace and always still want to be on my bike. And, st and, and maintain a des desire through. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty interesting thing, though, I think, like when you are, ha have an opportunity to do um, – within a sport to choose whatever you know yeah. sub-discipline that you're gonna you're gonna do and there's the one that you want and then there's the one that you're meant for 
Right. Well, and there's so many factors and, that contribute to those things. Oh yeah, which like, which in the beginning you don't know. You have no idea. So I did them. I did them all. Yeah. I was like, I, okay. I've done enduro. I've done um, fat bike racing. I've done cycle. A little bit of cyclocross, just like in our local you stuff. Get, you were like a Colorado. I did State I, fat bike. Oh, I won fat bike world championships. There we go. <laughs> but it's so <laughs> weird. I mean, it's like I I have raced in two fat bike races in ever. And that year I did I did one two weeks before Worlds because I was like, I should probably figure out how to race this. I mean, I ride fat bikes all the time just because I live in the mountains and it's a great um it's really fun and it's a great way to still be in the same, you know category of motion for yeah. training um and outside um but, and then you can also that would allow you to ride through the winter exactly outdoors as opposed to that's what i just said in a garage yeah <laughs> but <laughs> now i'm like eating my words because like i like riding zwift now which i'm like oh god i, I have to admit it because i poo-pooed it for so long and i feel like you should really like admit when you're wrong uh and i was wrong about that and uh i really it's an efficient tool um yeah so now i mean i'm not training but i definitely know how to still stay uh fit enough to feel good on long adventures so like i'll do um some zwift rides through the week uh and then couple it with cross-country skiing and schemo and um depending on the weather like some gravel rides um and for me it's just like it's kind of it just takes the thinking out of it yeah yeah i mean and so for and and right in now like to to go do a gravel ride you don't have to drive too far down from Vail I can ride from my so in Eagle uh well I mean right now it's like it's just really cold road miles okay um but I wouldn't say I'm training I'm just um I wouldn't say so either based on how great your attitude is right now about <laughs> right? <laughs> Life is great. You must not be training. <laughs> exactly. You must not be putting a ton of pressure on yourself right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> this year has, like, I mean, I hope for most athletes it's, like, broadened our perspective of, like, then and now, you know, like, yeah. and just, like, what we want to return to. And you, ha I feel like you have to be completely removed from that world to realize how how consuming it was i mean i can't speak for everybody but for me it was my whole world it was my, it was my marriage it was my job it was you know all my jobs basically um like and because uh, i worked for one of my sponsors as well as racing and um you know my i trained with my husband ex-husband now and uh um, it just was everything and it really weighed on me because that's not me. I mean, it became me, but it uh, wasn't me. And I... All consuming fire is uh, not you. <laughs> <laughs> What's that mean? I just like to disperse my fire into multiple things. <laughs> there. Yeah. I mean, I got into like foot sporting this summer, uh -huh. uh, which I mean, I just want to be in the mountains. Um high alpine lake swimming and just doing what I wanted to do. And and then when I realized when I got back on the bike, it's like, I don't suck. Like, even if I'm not training, like, I'm still strong. And it... Yeah, your engine's not really going to go away. It might not be as sharp. Sure. But if I want to sharpen it, you just, like, you figure that out. Yeah. But Spend whatever two, yeah. three 
days sharpening. You'll be fine. Yeah. And I just I meant weeks, but. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the cramping. Yeah. <laughs> That'll call some cramping. Yeah. Um, I just had so much fun doing all these different things and like returning to. Um, I just don't think we'll return. I don't know. I can't speak for. I can't predict the future. For me personally, I won't return to what I was doing before. Like, I want to stay diverse and I want to stay, you know, the only pressures out there are the pressures we're putting on ourselves. And now that I can really see that and see and really feel what it feels like to not be putting those pressures on myself, like, I hope I can meter that if I return to it. To it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's just say 2012 through the early 2019 was pretty singular focus on racing the mountain bike and gravel bike. Yeah. Ish. It, uh, mountain bike for sure through 2017. Um, and then 2018 is when I raced gravel and had a really good season. Uh, I had, had a great crusher race, had a great RPI, um, had a great, I did the wafer. Uh, oh, nice! Uh, as like a tune-up for marathon nationals, mm-hmm. you know, had a good marathon nationals that year. Had, you know, it was a really good year of racing. Um, and, and and so, t- at at that point, your hip had not yet started. Do you want to know? It's funny. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I okay. Do you know how the la- the finish of the last day of RPI was? Mm-hmm. Casey Armstrong, love her to death. She's one of my favorite competitors and friends and um because you're following all of that you two were in you were in like a two-up sprint with her yeah she catches me on the last freaking climb (sighs) um but it was fun i mean i i couldn't have asked for a better person i mean it would have been fun anybody but like when i saw it was casey i was just like oh yeah it's on and it was i would have loved to watch the two of you just make that descent on trail creek dude it was ripping it was so fun i and we were just smiling the whole time and then like we got back to like it was like like the type of racing you dream of. I mean, that I dream of because we both are pushing ourselves to our max, but it's like, we're not like pushing ourselves to like put the other person down at all. We're like really like actually like energizing each other as we're pushing each other. And like, uh, I think we were really stoked that we were the two mountain bikers, like that kind of like were the ones at the end of this because at the last day, so, cause we had done the stage race yeah, and on the last day, everybody can come do it. So then there's, yes. you know, the pro roadies who are coming in that just are doing that day. And like, you know, I support all cyclists that's first and foremost, but yes. there is a little bit of fun when like oh, yeah. the mountain bikers can like shine in these gravel events um, because we don't. I, not speaking for everybody, but personally speaking, I don't do tactics. I don't do predetermined tactics. I don't do predetermined team drafting. I don't do, yeah. um, if I have a flat, I change my flat on my own. That's like a, in my mind, how you should race. But that's also how I've always known how to race. And I know the cultures are different and I know like mindsets are different so I can have an understanding of it. But it's like kind of a, I don't know, it's just something that I hold to myself that, that I will, I I don't want to get into racing that that's becomes the norm. So I loved when it was Casey that caught me on the last climb. And I, and did, um, w- did, were you, so um, obviously day one of the stage race. Yeah. Single track day is a great day for a mountain bike. 
That day was so... That was another day Casey and I were together. Less good for a gravel bike, let's say. Yeah. But whatever bike you choose for that first stage is what you go through the whole race yes. with. So did you and Casey both have mountain bikes? No, or and we're all on, on gravel, gravel bikes. bikes. And we were ripping. Oh, it was so fun. Like, there is... Uh, you know, you're like, I don't know. It was that probably, first day it was, was fun so as so fun. Yeah. Like we were like doing the little doubles and like uh straight shooting through rock gardens and so I actually had a really bad start the first day and it took me a while to catch up. And once I caught up, um it's so funny thinking back too, because that's actually where I met uh, my now good friend Sarah Max was during the race. And I remember um coming up to her on the descent and um, she will say to this day, like, she's like, that's how I knew, like, you, you, we'd be friends. You were just so nice when you passed me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that about gravel. Cause it's like, you're, we're, we're descending mountain bike trails on a curly bar bike. This is ridiculous. Like, how can you like not laugh and uh, like kind of at yourself Oh, I for, know. in a way having chosen the ridiculous tool for but the terrain, so but it's so fun. It's yeah. so fun. So I yeah. met her then. And then, uh, uh, so I caught up to Casey and Casey kind of was bonking at the time. And I caught up to her and I was like, come on because <laughs> I know we were just about to the single track and she is a really good bike handler ter- as well and we just like ripped it all together and there was one spot where um I got a little bit of a gap um and then she caught back up on the Harriman trail um and I was like I thought you got a I thought you got a flat and she's like I thought I got a flat too I mean it's that's just what I love about like that event is like it's just like you're still pushing yourself to the max but you're not so uptight in the racing that you can't enjoy banter with your competitors. And do you think that's a, is that a gravel specific thing or is it also in mountain bike? I think it's in any um, event. It just depends on the person and maybe the pressure that's put. It'll be really interesting now with gravel, like really booming to see if that mentality stays around. Um, I know it's shifting. It didn't in mountain biking. Um, and that's why I feel like gravel has kind of been my community. And I hope when I return, it it stays that way. But it's kind of my choice as to how I let it affect me, I would say. Yeah. And the presence that I bring to races. And, and I, the pressure that you put on your Exactly. I mean, it's like what... And I think it's... I mean, it's, it's, it almost seems like when you, when we start something, and I'll mm-hmm. just, I'm going to project. Um, <laughs> so it seems like when you started mountain bike racing, that that... Like that, okay. You're, we've we've uh, we agree you're stubborn. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna hypothesize you're slightly obsessive. Oh yeah. I mean, any athlete no, has to on. be like. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, if you're gonna, so all I'm trying to do is that set up. I is, fixate is the, on things. Is like, yeah. You're gonna get you're you'll, you're focused on that thing, yeah. and then when the results sort of start happening, and then there's a self-image thing that comes yeah. along with it, and then there's a living up to the self-image, and then there's a projected self-image yeah. of not who you are right now, but who you want to be, and what you want to be like, and then you start aiming and doing all of those things towards that. And then it's like, it it it, it seems that it, um, it, you know, within that, we as athletes, we can accomplish really incredible things, mm-hmm. and, and not notice, 
how we are changing ourselves, yeah. how our, how the focus, how the behavior, how mm-hmm. the people that we, we choose to be around is shaping us as human beings. Mm-hmm. And then something happens, let's say, it could be an injury, accident, you know, <laughs> yeah. this, that, life events, whatever, yeah. that just al- get, that allow you to step back far enough to see it. Um, and... And then you can recognize it, and, and and at that point, if you just, if all you do is recognize, then you can make a decision at that time. Am I going to change this? Do I need mm-hmm. to change this? Whatever. But yeah. one thing that um, uh, I I find most interesting, is, especially with a professional athlete, is when um, when the trajectory of their career changes, not by their own choice. So if I would use like a big example for me, for, you know, was seeing, you know, having spent some time with Steve House and climbing with him and that sort of thing. And then um, he had this, you know, took a huge fall on uh, North Face Mount Temple and was pretty fucked up. And that and it didn't end his career, but it absolutely drastically altered. Yeah. Like the the trajectory then became a different thing, not only because of the rehabilitation time, but it just like, it was the, it was, it was enough of a, you know, an event, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, there was a, a, a lot of time living, you know, in for him in his head and, and thinking about these things and how he wants to, you know, how do I want to participate in these things? And is, is the ambition that I had consistent with who I have become? Um, and, and it just seems like any time that people are, sort of volunteered out of their chosen path, <laughs> let's say. Um, it's much more difficult than the person who voluntarily steps off of that path. Mm-hmm. And if I was comparing myself, my climbing situation, is that I consciously, I voluntarily quit. I consciously made a choice to stop cold turkey. Whereas um, for him, it was like he, he was still on fire, absolutely. And then this accident happened and it took a long time to kind of get back, and through that process of getting back, some things changed. But, um, but it was ju- it just like witnessing from the outside. It's just like, man, it's we're both done, right? In a, in a way, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously we're whatever we're different ages. We're nine or ten years apart, I think. Yeah. Um, and um, but just to, to to have made the choice myself rather than having it been made for me was a, com- a really different thing. And and then I think, you know, just <laughs> getting to know you, it seemed that this injury basically, I mean, it, it decided, you know, at the, at the which of course, of course it's going to happen at the tail end of a really good season. Well, I mean, the start oh. of the injury, the stubbornness lasted a year the, the the good season was 2018. I mean, 2016, 16 through 18 was were the really good seasons. Okay. And then I and your hip started like causing some issues in. Oh, that was what I was going to tell you. So oh. the, when I that sprint finish, yeah, on the last day, of the hundred mile day, I felt it go. <sighs> yeah. Because it was like if I it was it was not many seconds between you two. Well, it might have been ended up being like maybe a few. Uh, yeah, no, because I so I went too soon because it was like you come up a rise and you uh-huh. see the Red Bull finish. And yeah, and I was like, oh, I got this. So then I pulled around and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing sprinting like 
I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like I and I had just done three days of stage racing and it was like a mile a hundred at the what, last day. What what you're doing is going too soon. I just went too soon. <laughs> I got too excited. I you know story of my life. I and get too excited and <laughs> it's kind of like a t- one or two percent. Well, yeah. So like you come over this little rise and you think it's right there and it's not just right there. It's a little bit further than right there (laughs) (laughs) than you want it to be. Yeah. And my last match, I just let it go on that last one. And then Casey did what you should do and she just sat right behind on the sprint or stayed with me on the sprint. And then as soon as she saw that my gas was done, she went and I couldn't have been more excited for her. And that was another cool thing of like, um, I got second, but I was stoked. I mean, that was pretty clear on the podium that both of you were. We love each other. Jubilant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were probably like, pretty toasty too from the. Uh, what are those rush? Rush. What are her drinks? She calls I, I don't, them? Is it Red Bull and Vodka? I don't even know what it was. I, all I remember was that the the game of where you slide the beer across the thimble yeah, of the Galan. I think that too. was that was marvelous. That was a really fun. I mean, it was fun to photograph. I wasn't. Uh, I was just filling the beers, but I still had yeah. fun just doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, to go to your point of like when, um, you know, like a big. So that's when you felt it. Oh, that's when I felt and... a pop. Yeah. Okay. Or I felt a sharpness. And then that sharpness never went away after that day. Um, and the ultimate diagnosis is. Uh, was a labral tear. So they um, like, you know, the stubbornness thing went went down the line and I have a buddy who is an orthopedic surgeon um, pretty close to where I'm at. And he was like, you know what? How about you just come in and just let us do an x-ray just to look at something? And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just go over there. So I went over and um, saw his hip guy and um, he very black and white, knew exactly what it was. And um, so I had... And it's a common thing in women and how our hips are shaped um, is that you you form an FAI, which is um, two, like a cam and a pincer of uh, on, it's two bone growths that kind of just cause like this pinching action of the labrum until it tears. Does that have, I mean, it's actually kind of a, and you're involved in, you know, uh, with, with a company that makes saddles for bikes. Yeah. Among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Does that, are hips wider than the Q factor of your your pedal and crank setup? Is that part of that That issue? That could definitely be part of that issue. It just depends on the individual and how they're shaped. And like you can make these general, um, so generally women are shaped one way and men are shaped another way. But then there's also like different intricacies of like individuals if, you know, they do have a wider Q angle or not. And. Um, I don't know exactly what mine was because the other hip is fine, knock on wood. And, uh, um, and you know, of course, I've probably had crashes. It's so funny because they ask you all these things. Have you crashed? I'm like, uh, in the past week or the past? What do you want to know? Like, yeah. How, <laughs> I don't know. Am I filling out like an entire injury history here? I cause, can't tell you. Because I'm going to need the backside of this page. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, and... Um, well, yeah. So like, so then I'm in this room and like I'm sitting there, like I see the x-rays. I have the background of knowing exactly what I'm looking at. And I'm still in denial. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm wasting your time. Thanks for your time. I'll just like go now. And I can still remember uh, the surgeon's face. And he looked at my friend Aaron who got me to go in. And he's like, yeah, you were totally right about this girl. Um, <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever. 
And uh, what they, even what are they talking about? Whatever are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, I just didn't even. I don't even hear it anymore. I didn't hear it any at that time. And um, and so he kind of laid it out what my options were, and I still wasn't convinced I was going to do it and or have surgery. And even on like the way home, I ran up Univa Peak. Um, so when you're <laughs> looking at this X-ray, yeah, and you've had some familiar familiarity with reading that film, radiological yeah. film. Um, so it, it's clear what's happening, but you just don't want to see it. Therefore you, or you don't want it to be true. Therefore you don't see it. Well, or what's for going whatever on, reason, like I see it and then I'm like, well, it's not that big of a bone growth is what I say to myself. Okay. I'm like, it's not that, but I ha I don't like it was a really big bone growth. And the thing is, it only shows you a certain part of the problem. So the sure. bone growth doesn't show you what the labrum, like what the labrum looks like. Yeah. And what, the, what that, impingement is causing in exactly. the soft tissue yeah and so i'm like oh i can just pt this away i can just like i can figure this out but you know i as i'm running up univa that you shouldn't be running on this kind of in injury and i'm like limping after a while i'm like okay you can't really pt away bone like <laughs> is what i as i'm like gimping up this mountain i'm like i probably should actually think about this but then i you know insurance stuff and i knew exactly who i wanted to go to having worked in that field before yeah and I'm glad I waited for the ability to go to the surgeon I went to um, because it ended up being a much bigger uh, in surgery and injury than what they anticipated. Because when he went in there, um, he he's like, you had no labrum. Because <laughs> I remember you were on the table for a long, like... Six hours. Yeah. yeah. Six plus hours. Yeah. I remember it was something like... Yeah, it's supposed to be three, three and a half. Or, no, they told or, me like two. They were two. like, oh, okay. they're like basic. But before you see, like, I didn't even see the surgeon beforehand. I saw his PA. Yeah. And um, it didn't bother me because I'm like, well, he knows what he's, I have so much trust in the surgeon that I'm like, I'm not, I don't even, whatever. And uh, so the PA kind of, you know, he's just going through the motions and uh, it was one of the fellows. He wasn't a PA, sorry. Okay. Um, and uh, and so he's kind of just giving me or I'm just hearing what I want to hear, you know. Who knows? It's possible. Possible. I mean, I've heard of it happening before. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, went into it thinking it's just a tear. All they're going to do is like, you know, best case scenario, I'm off crutches in four weeks. Surgery ends up being six hours. He gets in there. He realizes there's no labrum to actually repair. So he had to make me a complete new labrum. And he was like, there was nothing holding your hip in socket but your muscles. So that's why, like, as I was training and racing, as soon as my muscles would show some signs of fatigue, that leg would just be exhausted and shut down. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, like, he showed me this one x-ray. Like, my it wasn't... The, my hip wasn't even in the socket correctly um and and then like there's so he had to do like uh micro fracture in a few different sites to help save uh the cartilage and then he removed my bursa because i guess that thing was blown up too and um he basically told me he he did everything but a hip replacement <laughs> wow uh so then i wake up to a whole new reality but i didn't understand it yet because i was on so many six hours of anesthesia and, yeah um and so just like that really stopped me had to but if looking back like what great what gift of that uh, moment of my life like w i w 
I this has been the hardest year of my life, but it has also been one of the best years of my life because I know it's putting me into a much better direction. And if that wouldn't have happened, I would not. If that wouldn't have happened, if uh, you know, COVID wouldn't have happened, I would have been just like still in a marriage that you know was good but not right, and um, you know, a lot of things would have been different. I probably would have went right back into training again, and you know, as soon as the you had yeah. recovered well enough from the surgery, yeah, to just basically try and like go okay. I would have pushed the- it too soon, easily. No. Yeah, you would too. <laughs> Not now. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> when does that I'm happen? Sure. When is it? I, when do I, you become old? When you decide to. Yeah. yeah. You should not decide that then. You, should. you know, there's uh, my hip came back pretty. I mean, the RPI in 2018 that was my test for my hip replacement to like decide. Okay, I need to have something to work for so that I do get back in shape or whatever, and then. Uh, yeah, but there's other stuff that right now can't be fixed that's yeah slowing some things down or stopping yeah. some things. But um, so the surgery was, I can't even remember, December 2019? January. So, I hit my deductible right away. So I had boom. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> there's a $6,600 hip. Yeah. But then, you know, I hit it for the year. Uh, which was planned. Uh, yeah. So then I was on crutches for eight weeks. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of things happened after then. (laughs) Whoa. Because you're like a, a month into being on crutches and immobilized and not totally psyched about everything. I'm guessing, I mean, there's obviously some optimism because it's, you know, we're fixed. It's fixed. You know, yeah. It's coming back. Eventually it's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like a month into that two months on crutches period when they announced. Um, oh, COVID. The- so that's the crazy thing is my last <laughs> PT visit before they were going to give me like a two week break of like starting to just do strength on my own mm-hmm. was the day I roll up and it's like, you know, outbreak tents outside with hazmat suits and like, I'm like, what is going on? Because Vail was one of the first places to have it or it be detected due to like our high international travel. Yeah. And um, and then there was like a, you had to go through three lines of checks before you went into the hospital. Uh, and I was like, this is just so weird. And <laughs> I was like, what is going on? And uh, like small town, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I mean, Vail was the big town I'd go to from, for PT and, uh, but the, um, so that like, it was very divine timing really. Cause it was, I was cleared, um, to be able to just do strength at home and I didn't have to go back in. So in some ways I was really lucky to still get, oh, yeah. um, to get to do the pool, um, with, cause they kept all the hip patients together and we had like water aerobics or whatever pool therapy yeah. and, <laughs> and getting to go into PT was so therapeutic because you're around, you know, everybody else. And, uh, to, to not have that would have been a really ha- a much harder recovery because it became your community. Yeah. I mean, if, so if you had done the surgery two months later, like yeah. right the week before COVID hit, it would not have been the same therapeutic or the same yeah, PT process. I mean, I think it still yeah. would have been, I mean, obviously the work the surgeon does would still be the best, but yeah. a, the work the surgeon does is only as good as your recovery, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And to, and also like your mental space and um, 
you know, things at home weren't great. So it was really my support system at the time to to have that. Um, and it we yeah. became each other's support, like everybody. It was great. Um, it became fun, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it would have been really hard to not have that. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. So I feel for those patients. And, 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 and I mean, and I guess like once it sort of, you know, COVID really hit, there were fewer people going in for that kind of yeah they had to take a pause but then they're back up to it and they're just doing things there's just a new way that they're doing things now yeah i had a couple pt visits that were like on facetime and it for me it was good because like i have like a good body awareness and Mm -hmm. um but you know not every patient is that diligent and that aware of their space and their body and space and i think it'd be really hard diligent um comes to mind when I like I don't know we communicated a little bit and then you know sometimes it's social media or whatever yeah. to understand that all right well she's not stopping like you've just been like you're moving all the time like everything it seems to me like okay I Karen is really dedicated about getting back to the best that she can be mm-hmm. for whatever reason the the, the because you're not going to make a good decision about what you want to do next or what is next until you get to that point where you believe in yourself a hundred percent. Like I can, yeah, I believe I could, so that you could decide, man, yeah, I want to go start. I want to start, go back to racing, but in a slightly different way or yeah. whatever, but that's not a decision you can make until you get back. And I thought it was pretty darn inspiring <laughs> um, to just, see what you know from the outside and from distance Mm -hmm. and and you know what you're doing each day or not each day but every few days or whatever but um and then now over the course of this winter i'm just like man (laughs) it's fat bike it's nordic skiing i love all the things all the things and that's been such a so fun like it's just been a really fun opportunity um to to realize I'm not just a cyclist. Oh yeah, and it'll make me a better cyclist by doing these things, by hiking the Grand Canyon with some girlfriends, and by yeah. going to Sedona and you know, I mean, COVID safe, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah. you know, and like um, riding technical terrain, but also doing long gravel rides and like you know, re- learning relearning how to ski. That's been fun because I haven't skied. Um, so my my. Um, my former husband, um, by default, we just did not ski um, because, you know, he didn't want a downhill ski, which is totally fine. So we just, we did um, like backcountry Nordic skiing, which was mm-hmm. also great. But I realized I really miss skiing. Um, and it's been so fun to be a beginner again. Like, I can't just rip down the mountain um, because I'm a little bit smarter now, maybe. <laughs> so no Viking outfits, no. you know, like you're just but, uh, straight lining stuff. Y- <laughs> yeah, no. So now I take lots of turns and uh, take my time and, um, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's been, it, it also just gives you a different relationship to the backcountry too. Like getting out um and climbing more mountains this summer and alpine lake swimming and you know just like it's it was my therapy really yeah like it was the best thing it's been super cool to watch 
the pro, you know, the process, um, from let's just say gravel camp and <laughs> some frustration there, and yeah. then July, August, then three months later, you came out for a symposium. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. which is a which was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and and then to like just. To, to see and, and be around a little bit all of that, you know, building frustration of like, oh, my body's kind of letting me down. Like I'm, I still in my heart and in my head, I still have a lot of desire to do these things or mm-hmm. to do things. Mm-hmm. And then to have, you know, that, you know, some resistance, some pushback from within. Yeah. Uh, you know, that um, it's been super cool to see. And to and then also, I mean, one other thing. I mean, just your enthusiasm right now um, about what you were just describing kind of reminds me uh, reminded me of the kids program that you do. Yeah. Because a, a couple of videos that you've posted where those kids are so psyched. They're the best. To have you know some instruction, some guidance, mm. someone kind of like field trip leader Karen is you know or whatever it is. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's really neat, and and I don't know, did that happen sort of organically, or was it? Something- it did kind of. So I was working um, as a PR coordinator uh, for a friend, Mike McCormick, at the time, and he's just like an ideas guy. Like he is an ideas genius and can like a creative mastermind, and okay. and I and a heart of gold. And I remember one day talking to him, and he was just like, "Well, what do you want to do, or like, what do you really like doing?" and I'm like, well, I love working with kids and I love mountain biking. And I, you know, at that time, I mean, this was like 10 years ago. And um, uh, two weeks later, he's like, here's a kids camp. He had like organized it with like the local, um, he had gotten like the structure down with like our local rec district. Mm -hmm. And that was the first year that I was like, okay, well, I got to figure this out. And, um, and it has just like, since I now own it completely and um, it sells out every year and we focus on, just really teaching kids well how to um how to mountain bike obviously but how it can be a lifetime sport if you know how to treat other trail users and you how to treat the environment and it's it takes like i wanted to offer something in our valley that had nothing to do with racing and that has everything to do with the heart of the sport and to really cultivate like help cultivate a new generation of riders that are in the sport because they love it and they love the outdoors and they love their community and they love like what it gives them personally as well as it how it connects them to other people and um i mean that's like my big idea i mean i hope i think that's happening um and it's not just like babysitting you know (laughs) kids on bikes and it's really it's it's cool it's like it's my heart it's my whole heart that program um, so that's just been like a side gig through, um, through the past. How many, how many it years? seems to me that that's something that's missing specifically in COVID times. We'll get to that oh in a gosh, second yeah. in, in, in a way of, but, but generally, you know, because of, you know, there, there, there were, act, there were activities, sporting activities that are 
inaccessible right. due to a lack of knowledge. Yep. Like there was no way that in, in a certain period of time, like how did you find out about ski mountaineering? How did <laughs> you, you know, how does someone like anywhere, right. anything like if it's not, if you don't have a friend that did it or you're not in the environment where it mm -hmm. happens or something and you don't know that it's the thing that's going to flip your switch right. until, until you see it. Um, and, but a lot of the entry into these sports, like of, of, you know, let's say not, you know, riding your mountain bike in a bike park, but like actual in the backcountry yeah. riding, like out there, there's that, or we could say climbing, we could ski touring, yeah. any of the, any, any of these things, there was this induction or introduction process, um, that like it was, you couldn't just, I mean, you, you weren't, you didn't spring into it fully formed. Like you had to learn from someone, mm -hmm. you kind of had to have a mentor. And through that process there, you became educated about the history. You became educated about how to use the environment that mm -hmm. you're using so that it, so that it will be as similar as possible when you use it again, but it will also be as unchanged as possible for, yeah. for the future. And but and that was part of that introductory process of getting through of like learning how to do it and where to do it and who to do it with and what about yeah. the equipment and how, what's the the right and the, you know the right attitude that will help me be successful um and then along comes sort of social media type things mm -hmm. um or 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 just much easier accessibility on all levels mm -hmm. and so you never so what i see and maybe i'm ignorant maybe it's happening and i've not seen it but it really feels like people are instantly placed into the environment to do the thing or, or, or they can instantly go there. It's like, you know, the transporter in Star Trek or whatever. You just like <laughs> go from wherever you are to wherever you want to be. Yeah. And then you're that person. You're that and, and using that environment. And so the history is sort of you didn't get any of that along the way. Like, how right. did we get how did this, you know, what? What was it like? How did certain ethics or ideas develop? You know, and you didn't get the idea about caring for the environment because it's like, I've never had this before. So I don't know that it, that my presence here is changing it. I don't understand that. That happens so, I, so much in mountain biking. Oh my gosh. That's it, such a great way to describe it too, because I get so frustrated when people are coming up to our valley in the backcountry and they have complete yeah. disrespect for the trails. But they have no awareness. But they have no awareness. Have it's just no like awareness. they just don't know exactly. that it's possible to respect. Right. And you should. Exactly. And and so when we like talk about, let's just say, advent of social media and then things become or, or just like better communication and better, yeah. you know, greater knowledge about things. And so so it's more accessible to more people. Um, And then the COVID thing happens and then suddenly everybody wants to be outside. Dear Lord, I know. And... And I mean, good, but it needs to come with a rule book. Yes, which, <laughs> or a which, test. <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, I just uh, education in some way, education, or or yeah. guided experience in some way, which it feels like the way that you just just describe the kids' cam. Like that's a part of it. Is like mm -hmm. here's the totality. It's not just the technical aspect of riding a bike, mm -hmm. but it's the why and it's the 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 care and ultimately potential the stewardship of the environment of so that it isn't utterly just you know changed and destroyed by our over our enthusiastic overuse yes exactly um it's exactly what i mean the bigger picture of what i'm trying to do in the, uh you know hopefully a very fun package you know and because we get five-year-olds out there yeah and, and it's a good time to teach them. It is the best time to teach them because <laughs> they are so stoked. 
<laughs> they're my favorite group to work with. Now that I'm kind of like, um, I can kind of like pick and choose now more, like mm -hmm. which group, that's my favorite group to work with are the, are the five-year-olds. Um, but they, and then as they get older, we actually start when we can go out further with the kids, we talk about risk assessment. And I think it's a really important topic to talk to kids when you're in the environment with them versus just when you hear about some tragedy that happens and then trying to have the conversation then because then they can actually have that that real life, okay, that's what you mean. Like I probably sh like I'm I understand, I feel how out there I am right now. Yeah. And if I were to decide I'm going to gap this whatever that's not a like not in a park and it's out in the middle of backcountry what happens then and you talk through those things with the kids and you you help them make that connection of risk assessment and the choices that they make in the backcountry are going to be very different than the choices that they make in a park or close closer to town um and those are things that we teach very organically um, but I'm hoping it has an impact on them across all sports because as we know, living in mountain towns, things happen and we take a risk every time we go into the backcountry. Um, oh, yeah. and if we can start teaching them younger, uh, you hope, you know, it can prevent something down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a double I mean, it's the two sides of the coin. Of so we're giving them the skills to go further and do more and bigger, in the backcountry. These kids, like, <laughs> oh, oh my god, we have kids that do backflips. We have this one kid. He just is so talented. Like he goes to the park all the time, and like we have a um, there's like a jump facility that he trains at, and um, so he now and that's like so. I've also created through the program as you age out of the program, you can volunteer as a volunteer coach to okay. still stay connected um, and hopefully out of trouble. <laughs> Um, and uh, so then they can volunteer coach to then earn a paid job um, when they're 16, 15 or 16, depending on their experience, um, to keep them on bikes and um, connected to their community and their friends and learn learning firsthand about giving back to your community and giving back to younger, younger generations. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's like it, it evolves every year and I get a little bit more organized every year and. Um, it's kind of getting to the point where I need to get some help <laughs> It's because uh, there's so much I want to do with it, but I'm again now That's just a, one person and um, it's a good thing. It's, it's a good. good. It's really good. And I actually next week have a meeting um, with some people that'll um, I respect as far as like their business advice um, as to how I'm going to make these changes because um, I kind of have like a big career change coming up too that I won't have as much freedom. Uh, so, but I want to make sure, um, my kids camp maintains, um, the mission and the guidance and everything. So I'm kind of putting all that legwork in right now. Dude, it's been a year. Oh <laughs> man. So, so when you talk about some career changes, yeah. the, 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 um, so as with any sort of professional athlete, yeah. um, you cobbled together a exactly. living in a way that it, cause, cause it's not, you know, people are like, I'm sponsored. I'm like, okay, do you, you get mean? Here. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Does, is it that, is it like you got some shoes or a t-shirt or is it, a, you know, is there a paycheck and is the paycheck actually, 
you know, meaningful to, to in, in right. such a way that you're not like having to do other work as well as train and race and et cetera. And so, I mean, it is, um, I, I, I think for all athletes who aren't at the, you know, highest, highest level, mm-hmm. um, in sports where there is money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's also, not money. <laughs> but, exactly. So you could be at the very highest level and still not be able to right. not have it like, like to have it be, have racing and training for racing be a full-time thing. This could open a like, whole can of worms though, as far as like the shift of, you know, can o worms are us. I well, mean, well, like the shift of like, <laughs> Um, you know, just because you're a good marketer, you're going to be more supported than someone who is a good athlete. And, you know, it's like, oh, what yeah. is, what, what does, but, but, deserve, that, yeah, exactly. but that was always true. Yeah. It's just more obvious now. Very obvious now. Yeah. In, in, in the sense that, yeah, oh, yeah, there were guys, I mean, and I'll, I'll even, I'll even put myself in that, that thing is I had a, I wasn't, there were climbers who were way better than me. There were Alpine climbers way yeah. better than me. I had a bigger mouth <laughs> and, uh, and not that. You know, yeah. and that just opened other things. Gotcha. Or I wasn't technically as good a climber as they were, but I had figured out the fitness part. Or my relationship to risk was different. So if I did something, even if it was easier, and my a good friend of mine, Thomas Bubendorfer, said it best back in the day. Um, we were talking about uh, Wolfgang Gulick. And who, who he like climbed the first 9A in the world. I mean, he's arguably one of the best rock climbers of wow. all time. And, you know, struggle to make a living. And Bubendorfer had figured out that, you know, a lower level, and he was a guy who was pretty darn good climber, mm-hmm. um, rock climber, but he feel, figured out that, like, if you did a, you know, had a good photographer, you climbed at a slightly lower technical r- level, but did so without a rope, made really beautiful photographs and books. Right. He, and his statement, I got to paraphrase, um, uh, it is basically like, yeah, Wolfgang's the best climber in the world, and you know, and, and you, you know he's, he climbed nine A. He goes, I solo six A, and I'm rich. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in you know, it, it, Thomas has always been very sort of business savvy, but uh, um, but but uh, it, that's it, really it, interesting. But it's a fascinating, you know, sort of idea of like if I do and 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 what he did in front of the camera allowed him to do everything for himself off camera that he wanted to do like that. Okay. So he had to, yeah, he, you know, he sold his soul a little bit Mm -hmm. for part of it, Mm -hmm. but then was very diligent and good about using proceeds from that or the freedom or the time that came from that to to go do other stuff. So he wasn't just a guy who, you know, climbed easy in front of the camera. Right. Um, But the, the, um, so there's an example of someone who's cool. not the best guy in the world, but who is, you know, absorbing a lot of the, you know, funding that might be available. Right. But it's just, and, and, and Wolfgang, who's a good speaker, you know, et cetera. He's like a great personality, you know, should have, but it's also super fringe at the time. No one could understand what nine a meant, you know, as a, right. as a, as a technical rating, you know, when he did it, everybody was just like, Oh, action direct. It's. Um, yeah, it's a route, and like I think, and, and even to this day, and I can't remember the year he did it. Um, uh, I'm just gonna say late. I'll I'll go with eighty. You know, I don't know what, you, but it was something. It's long enough ago, um, and still to this day, there aren't that many people who've actually repeated that route. 
I mean, he was, he was wow. a vision. He was so far ahead of his time. Um, but then the, and, and so, yeah, not the, the best people, people who I think in a lot of these sports deserve funding. And that's what the whole, at least in climbing, that's what the whole grant system is kind of for huh. is like, if, if you're not the media person who, you know, sprays a lot about what they're doing and, you know, mm-hmm. tags their sponsors and, you know, gets sort of cooperative individual promotion by way of these sponsors, et cetera. If you're not that person and you're talented, the whole idea of like the various grants was like, you apply for a grant, you've got a great idea and you've got a good pedigree. You can apply for funding to, for a particular project. And that's kind of how the climbing community at a certain point figured out how to support the guys who were like pushing the sport to the next level as opposed to pushing the media around the sport to the next level. Yeah. Um, Which is a, um, which are two different kind of, kind of things. But, uh, and so even at the highest levels of mountain bike racing these days, there's still (laughs) no, like say you're Julian Absalon or somebody like that. I mean, he's, I don't know, nine-time world champion or some crazy thing, I think. <laughs> you think? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, mean a, you can just take it to the U.S. Like, you look at okay. Kate, Kate Courtney, for example. Yes. She's arguably the best U.S. female mount, world, world, champ- world, world champion world two, champion two years ago. Two years ago. and But she also hustles really hard. Like, she's not just – no no athlete is just racing anymore. Oh, I don't think. I don't, I don't think so. It, yeah. You know, was it ever – I don't know. True. I mean, I or, came into this sport in such a different avenue that it didn't even occur to me that you get you could get paid for this kind of stuff. So how did that how did you, that change in your head? Like, did did you discover one someday that like on one day that somebody else was getting paid to do the same thing you were doing? I've or, uh, well, one I, I uh, ha- don't like money, so I don't like having those conversations sometimes. I fucking hate money. I think it just like robs the joy out of everything you do. But that's just my relationship with money. And um, so, but that also projects into like, I think you should be okay talking about these things, especially as women. Um, I have never been paid anything by any sponsor ever to do it. I've gotten zero dollars. And so to, to avoid those, having to ask for those, I just make sure I have means to support myself. Nice. Um, but then, you know, you hear like people getting paid for things that you're doing and, and then it's like, oh, well, do I, I don't know. It just gets, so how I avoid those things, I just have, um, I want sport to always just be my passion. And I, I feel like if I'm getting paid for that, it's going to change that passion in some way. So I so now moving forward with this new career change um so I was kind of self-created in my position I worked for one of my sponsors Ergon Bike and I loved my position because I created it myself but it was also kind of capped as far as like where the I need more than just a challenge on the bike for me to feel whole Mm -hmm. and I was reaching kind of a stagnate stagnant point of I wasn't really feeling challenged in my career um off of the bike uh so now moving forward i'm so excited to be like to have a an identity that's not just the bike basically but you're going to be involved in i'll still be in the industry in the industry that you you know the most about right which makes 
a, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm excited. It's when you were just, when you said that about like I never got, you know, I've never earned any money from any sort of sponsor or anything right. like that. Um, there was a, I mean, I played the sponsorship game as a clowner for a, a while, but at a at some point, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I can't remember the the year necessarily. It doesn't, but I started, I realized I hadn't, I developed enough self-awareness to understand that I was making decisions about routes or projects that I wanted to do. For money. Uh, Yeah. Ultimately for money, but based first, but the way I disguised it was it's, this will have a better media impact. Yeah. And I I feel obligated to the sponsor. I'm like, I'm creating my own pressure on myself Mm -hmm. to do things for the sponsor when they are not creating that same pressure. And Um, uh, when we were talking about, uh, when you realize like I was putting all that pressure on myself in a direction, I was living my life. That wasn't really the direction that I really wanted to be going. That's exactly it. And now I can just treat sport as like what it what I want it to be and that's just pure passion and fun and connecting to different communities and if there's no like I can just go do it and I don't have to do it thinking like oh wait can you go take this picture of me like so I can you know oh god like I just want to ride my bike sometimes but I love photography too so I love capturing like moments of like where I get a be and the you know but I don't want to have to treat every ride as like a job a job no yeah no i but i want like but i also like to have like direction in my career so i would need that too but it needs to not be the bike it needs to not be related to like be on the bike like performance on the bike exactly yeah like i want the bike to be purely just for me man You're so selfish. I know, right? <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I mean, by by being your pure authentic self and like just go, like by treating the bike that way, it can then inspire other people to lead healthier lives and, you know, to, you know, just. Or to know. get a bike or to risk or to, 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 if they already have a bike to like, oh, well. I tune into these platforms. There's communication coming out mm-hmm. to people who are in this, you know, involved in this activity that I love riding my, you know, mountain bike or whatever yeah. that is educational about, you know, trail etiquette or yeah. human being etiquette or environmental etiquette or no fucking gel wrappers on the tree, you know, like, yeah. you know, get a bell on your butt. Like, like there, I mean, it's just little, it, in some ways I it's kn- little stuff, but it's also big stuff because yes. all of those little things are combining to create the future for the sport and our you know and, and the environment you know where that sport takes place totally and can be it's not just you know i know you didn't mean we, it as like me being selfish like personally oh, i know no, no, you're no, just no. jesting yes. but i do want to emphasize that like i think that more people um should focus more on just being their pure authentic selves and that doesn't and that means you know like by by making decisions based on like oh what's going to look good on instagram or what's going to look good for this sponsor that pulls you away from your authentic self and that like puts the wrong energy out there i think personally i i can't disagree yeah. i'm just I, and 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 it's and it's kind of curious though that like you're when you're when i think a lot of times you know the 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 true internal drive is towards personal autonomy yeah 
and then you voluntarily engage in relationships where you become dependent on an audience of some kind, which kind of, you know, it affects your autonomy. It's just like you said, right. look, I got to stop. I'm, I want to be out here riding my bike, but I got to stop and get this photo. Wait, yeah. I have to, and you have to stop too, because you have to take the photo and then that <laughs> affects this whole sort of group dynamic, but I, and I'm yeah. trying to do this thing. And, um, I feel like there's a, you know, there is a, a purity. Like, I mean, I've always admired, I don't want to say more, but at least equally. And I'll say the working class climber, the proletariat climber versus the media star climber. Right. You know, and, and not even, and, and not that there's, you know, the working class guy, his, his ascents are more authentic or whatever because he had to take time off from his job and do, you know, or he had to, or do, he paid for it himself. It's not that. It's just, um, it's, I think it's really difficult once you get in front of the media or are, you know, a public personality of some kind involved in a particular sport, it's really difficult to, to be certain that what you are doing is what you want to do and not what you expect others expect you to do well you've been programmed to do yes basically and voluntarily so and then when you have a big injury it deprograms you amazing (laughs) weird yeah (laughs) weird how that happens weird (laughs) and and also kind of I mean, in a way, beautiful, just because of oh, yeah. because of the, the the outcome, especially in your case. Mm-hmm. Um, far, you know, so far. I mean, we were talking earlier about like, oh, you're you're doing kind of exactly what you want to do, and then and and, and there's this outside positive feedback of that of of a job of getting headhunted for a job mm-hmm. or something of people recognizing like, oh, skills and. And also heart. Yeah. And that's. Uh, got a big heart. It's got to be. It's been it's, broken a lot this year. <sighs> but they say that I've learned that in order for your heart to truly be opened, it has to crack and break until it can be fully open. And I didn't quite understand that until this year. And you didn't. And, and nobody wants to under. Nobody wants that to be true. No, because it really fucking hurts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But the, on the other end, it's like the best feel, like to like, I don't know. It, it's just been such a year of like the highest highs and the lowest lows, you know. But I would never have taken any of it back. Did um, when the you know, COVID thing? I'll just say yeah. co- when the COVID thing happened. When the or COVID whatever. thing happened, still happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we talked a little bit today about like, oh, small town and, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it's it's and the s- smaller the town and the smaller the bubble, you know, or whatever. Uh, and especially if you're someone who's, you know, who's, you're okay on your own. I am definitely an independent person for sure, but. And yes, right. but and dot, dot, dot. I mean, yeah. it's, I could, I can say the same thing. We can <laughs> agree on that. Yeah. Um, and and so you you are actually able to make a smaller bubble, which then you develop a different relationship with the virus and the risk and all the social stuff. It must be highly unusual <laughs> to 
potentially, you know, I don't recommend anybody do this, but, you know, look at the news <laughs> every yeah, now and then. That's the worst thing you can do. <laughs> oh, if you want to. Unless you want have to have anxiety every day, yeah, yeah, or go crazy or whatever, <laughs> all of it. But to like, to, but to to look at these areas where it, it's not a you know, it, right, an individual cannot sort of manage their exposure, and a small group can't manage their exposure, right. and that kind of thing. Small town, you know, you go to these big urban centers, and it's you know the catastrophe is rather more significant, and so I think we are. I mean, I'll put my, even though I live <laughs> in the city, <laughs> as they say, I mean, it's, I just call it a city because it's yeah. in the name. Um, but, uh, but we've managed to, you know, create a smaller bubble or whatever yeah. and to manage the, the circumstances here. I mean, we have um, quite effective and incredible air purifiers in, yeah. you know, in, the back area of the building here also mm-hmm. out in the out in the gym the the culture is like hey if you expose yourself out there don't bring your out there into our in here right and we've been super fortunate but also like hey we can think about things and make them um and manage to still do what we want to do with you know while mitigating the risk I, I hope people understand you can still live your lives. I don't know if they do. I don't know if they know <laughs> how they want to live their lives anyway. <laughs> and there you have it. There's that too. That was like, I don't know. I mean, that's, a, yeah, that's another. I mean, cynically, I would say, yeah, people just want to be told what to do. They forget you know, to think but... for themselves and to realize that, you know, there are ways to do, sa- there's ways to be safe and make good decisions and um yeah I, that's it's that that m- the you know the, the majority of individuals let's say have some agency in how to decide to, you know to manage things mm-hmm. i mean obviously you know there some people can't you know they're like we're d- dependent on a particular job or mm-hmm. uh, and that puts us in a particular group and that exposes us you know in in ways that we can't uh, you know adjust or manage that's a that's for sure a possibility, but um, it seems like, I mean, when you you know you arrived, you're just like I don't know about city stuff. Well, I didn't you know, know about I mean, city stuff before COVID. Yeah. This is not this is not a COVID subject, Mark. <laughs> I didn't Ouch. like groups beforehand. I didn't yeah. like cities beforehand, and now it's just more reason not to like cities. And I mean, but that's just me. That I had a girlfriend. Um, visiting and she wanted to go into the village to mm-hmm. walk around and I just didn't like we went there and I was like oh like I want to be anywhere but here right now like and it was just like exacerbated from because of COVID wait but, into which village like Vail Village like in, downtown Vail in Vail yeah okay so but Karen let me let me what? just hypothesize something one of the reasons that you um, find Vail Village somewhat distasteful <laughs> Veil attracts a, a certain, certain crowd. Certain I know. Crowd I know this. I know this. Yes. And I don't. That's not my crowd. And it's okay yeah. if it's theirs. It's just not my crowd. Um, and so, and, and anytime we visit another crowd that's right. not our crowd, there's obviously going to be some, you know, unease. 
Yeah, I say. just didn't. I'm yeah. I've always felt that way, like in cities, though. Uh, I'm just not like put me in the middle of the backcountry and I can figure things out. Put me in the middle of a city and I just like freeze. Yeah, and I just yeah. get anxious. It was like uh, never eat soggy waffles. waffles. Okay, that's the back. That's all I need to that's know. That's all for the I need to know for the backcountry. <laughs> <laughs> and that aspen bark you can use for sunscreen and. <laughs> I actually did that this summer and it works. And the and the and if you have you know I have a filter with me all the time. I water no filter, so uh, yeah, I'm good. So you have a water filter. So you're one of those those mountain bikers who wears a backpack, huh? I will wear a backpack. <laughs> yeah. Do you are you anti backpack? Just I, I've carried enough shit on my back <laughs> in my life. So, yeah, but they make these so, vests now. You wore one for gravel camp. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, yeah. no, I mean I'm, I love to mock that stuff, oh, but I also geez. understand the utility. <laughs> and the the reason I got that vest uh-huh. is um, there was a so the summer of 2018, um, I was going down to Moab a lot mm-hmm. to 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 ride. Uh, Selena at that at the time she was going down twice a month to work, and I would yeah. always go down. I'd ride. And through the summer, and it'd be like a hundred and like oh, yeah, no. eighty degrees or whatever the fuck. And I gross. It, it no, really gross. Ew. <laughs> and so I so I realized like, man, if I got one of those vests and I put my gel packs, you know, that I put in little th- two things on the, f- you know, where on the front. If I put yeah. those in the freezer and then I put my Camelback that's in the back in the freezer. And I put that vest on. I don't give a fuck what the temperature is no, for about feels good. for about three hours, and then and then and then the water bottles. Then I have like warm liquid in the bottles that are on my bike. It's like yeah, if it's a hundred outside, that that liquid's probably about ninety eight degrees. It's like yeah. oh, it's like body temperature electrolyte fluid. Disgusting. Ugh. You know the <laughs> trick me. for like the the backpack nozzle when it's really hot is like. You have to blow, so you drink the water and then you blow it back into the bladder so the water in the tube doesn't get like scalding hot. You know what's funny about that? That's the exact same trick you use when it's in the winter. really fucking cold. I know, I do that on the fat bike too. And you, yeah. So then the fat bike, you wear your your pack under all your clothes. So your nice. body heat can yeah. keep it from freezing. Nice. Um, and then you just have your little nozzle out of your jacket. I noticed that you have some like handlebar mitts. Yeah, those things thing. are a lifesaver. Um, do, do, are they, um, do they have batteries or do you put shaken worms in there? Anything like for that? For Fat Bike Worlds, it was negative 26. Whoa. I know. You wake up and you're just like, what are we doing? You just laugh because it's so funny what you're about to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm not built for this, but okay, I'll give it a shot. Because <laughs> that's all you can do is laugh. <laughs> yeah, all you can do is laugh because you have to do it. Uh, and I had um, uh, hand warmers in my mitts at that point. And then like, even like I wore, um, so like, uh, I had a neck gaiter that I would cut like an inch strap around and put it over my nose and my cheeks so I could still breathe really hard. Nice. And my nostrils wouldn't freeze. Yeah. Um, and then you wouldn't get like fog up into your glasses. Yeah. Uh, and then um, my husband at the time, uh, he he was like the ma- he is the master of like all these little tricks, and um, he put like. It's like he was like preparing me to like box or something. Yeah, he would, like, like Vaseline. Put, like, and, he would, yeah, he oh, like, yeah. put Vaseline on my cheeks and like, oh my gosh. And uh, what were the other things? Oh, my bottles, each lap. Um, when you give me a bottle, I put it back on my bike upside down so yeah. it doesn't, fr- you can drink. 
Um, and then after two laps, like you're just generating so much heat. I actually took a jacket off because it was so hot. Oh yeah. Um, but I finished and I had like, you know, everything was froze. Like my eye lashes were frozen and yeah, it was. I, I mean, minus 26. I think it warmed Let's... up to negative seven. Still, we're talking Fahrenheit. So. We're talking Fahrenheit. <laughs> and I'm not a big person. <laughs> and um, I'm going to, you know, in a complimentary way, you're not carrying a lot of extra. Not a lot of bike racers are, I would say. And I, I'm i not, I definitely don't have anything to spare. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, volume of training, it just kind of strips everything away. Yeah. But um, yeah. That's why you got to just keep going. You, the, the faster you go, the warmer you'll stay. So that's probably why it did so well. Oh, yeah. I, I got to stay warm. Because <laughs> you had the engine to go faster. And so therefore. It, it, just keep going. Just stay keep, warm. Nice. Uh, yeah. That was, there was. Uh, so so where minus tw- where did that take place? Crested Butte. Nice. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Good for the after party. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that was another. <laughs> oh, is that an off-limits stuff? No, we're not. Gonna, we, we don't need to go there. <laughs> no, but, I um, wish I miss partying after events. That is something like I want to go my in my next life bike racing. I I feel like I missed out on so many after party races. Because you were just like too dedicated to. Well, in the relationship or... I was in, it was very just like gotta go. Um, okay. And um, and I just really liked to party, and I didn't get a party as much as I wanted to. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, that's why you go. That's why you like work so hard so you can celebrate, right? So, well, but yes. Oh. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody's I, different, which is fine. But yeah. I'm looking forward to enjoying the whole part of bike racing going back i liked your idea of you know my rv idea the rv idea of like just like okay let's just keep sort of the the gravel the 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 fellowship i'm gonna say camaraderie sort kind of spirit alive put a bunch of friends and in your case it's like a bunch of female friends and we're just gonna go around all these races and well we might invite some boys but they'll have to yuri hoswald is applying for one of the positions. Kind of gets a pass. We might. He's, we still. He has. He hasn't okay. submitted his video uh, resume yet, so okay. we're still waiting on that. And 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 you could also you could always say yes, but yeah. like probation period. Exactly. You can come, but you just if any moment you're not yeah. cool by any of the stint, you're out. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and I really want my dad actually to come. <laughs> Nice. I think, well, one, I don't want to drive the RV. And okay. uh, I think, I mean, it's his. He should drive it. But he, he, um, he used probably, based on, you know, what you described experience. about <laughs> when you were younger, he might not want you to, you know, oh my gosh, I trashed our motorcycle our- too. I, I ran it straight into our garage door with my friend on the back. And I also. Did- did you just not like your friend? And no, I just like, it, it like hit the throttle, and I just too much, and I it just shot us. And then there's this. So we had these really steep ditches on our farm, and I, one day I was like, oh, I just want to ride the ditch. So I went down the ditch, and I had to like really gun it to get back up, and it shot me over the road into the other side of the ditch, and I crashed it that day too. <laughs> I was wearing like flip flops. Uh, yeah, that was fun. I mean, it was fun because I didn't get too hurt. Uh, right yeah yeah yes that 
that generally you should be safe and you should wear helmets and you should wear closed toe shoes <laughs> exactly and you should go for it and you should full send <laughs> yeah uh, but no i want my dad to come uh, because i think it'd be like the best like fun father-daughter thing but then also he was a mechanic on our small town dirt uh track race Okay. Crew, um, and I feel like it would just like bring him back to his old days, right? Yeah. And he used, he works on cars. He could figure a bike out. He could be our mechanic. Pretty easy. Pretty easily, right? And then Andy. Andy Zoltan? Yes. Then she wouldn't have to do the mechanic part. Well, maybe Andy should assist my dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because you never know. <laughs> that would... And that'd be a fun crew. Yeah, it would be a fun. Yeah, that'd be a super fun crew. <laughs> that she Ash would drive. Ash drives. The, she drives the bus. She drives the bus. She, she can figure out the RV. Exactly. Oh, this is getting even better. Yeah. Uh, so Dad can come and go as he wants, depending yep. on what you know. Uh, Andy, Sarah, Max, Casey, Arms. You know, whoever, anybody's welcome. They just can't then, have a cold. And then <laughs> hypo- hypothetically, uh-huh. in a world you know that was whatever yeah what would be like what would be the trajectory of this rv like you'd go to kansas oh yeah we definitely go to kansas and we're already going to kansas but first that'd be the the first stop okay definitely go to kansas i'm going to i mean i guess yeah which okay so is that is that race dirty kansas so popular now that it's a lottery system to yeah it's pretty tight which is like it's so wild. Like everybody so wild. has. It, 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 I mean, I'm guessing you know. Obviously, you f- do you know finish a race like that, and it's a an enormous sense of accomplishment, and that's yes, and that is a part of the the draw. But then when I talk to people and they're like, "Yeah, I flatted nine times," I'm just like, "Oh yeah, I guess everybody because the rocks the? there are just like daggers." It's, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna experience it for the first time. I've never done it, but um, I will. Probably be I've been told by multiple people to be running Kushcore, so uh, which is uh, it's like a tube inside your tire that kind of it helps prevent um, uh, flats. Okay, and I uh, I have broken the most gear on our team, and I've broken the most wheels, uh, and. I know it doesn't make any sense, but well, you just go for the ultralight stuff and you break no, it, or you just, just you just go you just hard. go so hard that well, I mean, I don't breathe. go so hard, but like I think I just make <laughs> bad choices, probably. <laughs> I just think straight is usually the fastest line, and straight line through a rock garden may not be the best thing for your wheels. Probably not, but what... um, but I do it anyway. Yeah, um, and I like to get in the air, and I like to you know. I'd like to ride bikes. I yeah. mean, I'm just a really good product tester. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, for that race, I will definitely be very prepared for flats. Uh, but yeah, so we'll do that one. Um, uh, one I'm I'm really excited for is the Trans Rockies uh, um, gravel stage race in Canada. Mm. And that's in August. So the problem is no one really where knows does... what's going to happen. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. But Don't ask me where because I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Never the eat soggy oh, Cal- wobble somewhere up Calgary. north. Calgary, I yeah. well the guys the so that's the same guys that put on Moab Rocks. Okay, um, and they're all from Calgary, so I'm assuming I'm going to sound really bad. I don't know exactly where all the stages are, but they're different places. Each place is different. Okay, so that's why having the RV will be great. So there's some transit in between stages. Each stage, yeah, you go to a different place. Um, I mean, generally, if we're talking about that mm-hmm. area, yeah. it's 
you know, whatever gravel you're on, it's not going to be the sharp flint rocks of Kansas. No, that'll be different. Um, it's mostly limestone. I mean, I get, I'm just going to say it's 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 limestone. It's softer. It's you know, when that stuff breaks, it's rounder. I mean, I'm guessing yeah. there'll there'll be less potential to flat then. <laughs> Bonnie, you can get up there. Yeah, go play. Yes. Oh. Piney's trying to get into the chair. You can do it. Are you so tired? I know. It's a big day. <laughs> I kind of feel like I want to help him, but then, I know, but I as soon as I touch him, he's going to bring me a toy I'll, and want to help him. Okay. You get up on the furniture. That's right. Ah, there. And there's a... That's like the best thing ever. I go to, I got a, like a soft spot. I'm supported on three sides if I want to be. And so I'm protected. I don't have to worry about watching my back. And, and he farted. And I can speak into the microphone. Oh, look a bloop. Uh, I love my dog so much. Do I love my dog too much? No. no. I don't, it's, it's <laughs> not, no. <laughs> no. No. But it was fun. Heidi, do you remember when you broke Sparkle's tooth? Oh, my goodness. I, that was a fun moment. That was at RPI, too. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Poof. Yeah, well, and well, we don't know what's going to happen with events. Yeah. So it's really hard to, like, start preparing. Um, and that's, like, a whole other reason why. Which is why fantasy, you know, race schedule is, you know. Dude, it's like can... fantasy everything in life right now, right? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've lived, like, four different lives in my brain already this year. It's been great. Been going on a lot of vacations. <laughs> dating so many people. Oh, been, boy. Yeah. <laughs> You just create all these things in your head, yeah. living in a small mountain town. Uh, no, it's just, it's no one knows. No one knows what we're going back to. Um, so I think that's why it also is hard to wrap your head around, like, really training seriously, right? Or, like, really rigor, like, yeah. really programmed again. Um, and I, uh, So I, I can't remember. I think, so Heidi Franz was here for the Oh, yeah, symposium. I met Heidi. Yeah. Did you listen to the podcast? Not yet. You did with, oh, you. It should be another one because you have okay. a, you have a long drive. Yeah, it's it's a, it's really cool when she starts describing how rally um, sort of managed because they were in Europe when the outbreak you know for racing when it when basically oh, shit got yeah. shut down so everybody got sent home and then basically told like stay in shape. Oh, that's rough. You know because we don't know when it's going to happen, but if it yeah. does happen, we are ready to pull the trigger, go back to Europe, and have a, have a season if they decide to turn the season back on. Yeah, and um. Hearing her describe that, because I, I, you know, a number of athletes are just like, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. And then it makes it difficult to train because you don't have like this, right. you know, I don't have my A, B, C races, you know, all of these things lined up mm -hmm. that I need to be ready for. Um, and so the the way when she describes, you know, how she, you know, kept training and the things that she sort of invented to do in order yeah. to stay motivated. And then to hear about how they went back. Um, as a team to Europe and they were only one of two squads on the women's pro tour that didn't have a positive during the season case. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because you know, you get one positive, your teams, you know, they oh, take yeah. it, everybody, they pull everyone and, um, they just said, yeah, we made the bubble and we made it hard and it, you know, it was small and we Good. were very serious about it and it was, and I just thought, okay, well this is, it's possible to manage. Right. 
as long as everybody under, you know, understands how serious it is and then also is as committed as everybody else to right. like, hey. What dynamics though, right? Like what, <sighs> what, and then also that just like changes the mentality, like you just think about like the culture of the team then, like does it make it better? Does it make it worse? Does it like, what does the mental health look like to each of those athletes? Like, yeah. You know, it's just a really interesting time that it'll be in, it'll be interesting, like looking back like 10 years from now and like seeing what the real effects are going to be. Oh, more so than oh. any of this, like whatever is happening in the present right now. I and mean, I just, you know, think about, OK, kids who are oh, in school or not in school, you know, not socializing, not interacting in some way. Um, I, I, the, the, I think the long term effects will be more prevalent and obvious in you know youth you know mm-hmm. people who are children now mm-hmm. or adolescent or whatever mm-hmm. um then they will be marked and changed more than the adults completely will, i think well you never i mean yeah yes i who knows i mean it's yeah. gonna take time before we really understand it but um with like with my kids camp that was the so i launched like a, a different like opportunity um because i was out one day and i ran into a mom and she had mentioned her son was starting to show signs of depression and i was like okay we got to do something about this especially in a small community and like um so i i figured out i'm like okay well what are we allowed we're allowed groups of you know what is it six or something so i just launched um like a small groups program right away okay. where like and i just scheduled myself i opened my own schedule up of like coaching four days a week and um and so normally normally when you would do a like a kids camp thing it'd be how many oh uh, well, it was like 80 to 90 kids whoa oh it's like and i would cap it and i would have 30 kids on the wait list okay it's big yeah so so small group of six is like really you know and even if you had six you know four three to four different groups of six you're still really it's just the availability is just not there right like, and well this was i was offering this like earlier on um like when COVID, like in the spring so it was kind of like a new thing that um uh just to see how it was received yeah and then i left it up to the parents and you know it was up to them to formulate their group of three four or, yeah three four or five kids mm-hmm. um so then it's totally up to you guys as as the parents as to how you want to expose your child and then we took you know all the and then what you do as families in order to make sure that yeah. your child's not a yeah it's up you to know, you guys bringing like, it's, it in it's not like yeah exactly you're in control of what this group is going to be and um i my schedule in the month filled up within 48 hours and so then i booked out seven other coaches and their schedule all booked up and so we were able to get all the kids out still and interacting with other kids and being outside and so and totally I, we I, had I zero don't, cases i was gonna say it's a totally positive outcome but that's the negative wrong, outcome. That's negative outcome <laughs> exactly yeah we had um knock on wood i mean we so we, yeah. we had that and then i restructured like our normal camps which are usually um three weeks in june three weeks in july and three weeks in august and that was usually you know 80 to 90 kids and i limited it down to 60 and it was a little bit more work on my end but then it ended up being so much better because i would just i pre-organized the groups based on both kids i know personally as well as their like age and skill set into groups of 10 
And then I scheduled, like I mapped out certain drop-off pickup locations for each. So they're only going to one location. Like there's only a pot of 10 kids in one spot at a time. Versus before it would just be like 60 to 80 to 90 kids like all at one place at once. And it was just like chaos. And then it was like me just like yelling at kids to get in their spots and like go to their coaches. Yeah. And so it just, it actually just created more order to it, which w- will continue regardless of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, it just was, it was better for everybody. So it, a little bit more work on my end, but worth, totally worth it in the out, in the end. And they're still getting to do something which is very necessary. Yeah. I mean, they need, I mean, even for the coaches, it was necessary. Like for everybody, it, like we need people. Like, I don't care how introverted you are, you need human connection. Yeah. Like, you need human connection. And yes. if you don't, you need to learn how to let it in because it is a basic human need. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, you have to continue to live your life. And that's like what I have to, as much as I'm an independent person and I live in a small mountain town, it can be isolating. And I don't think people understand that. They see this like idea like, oh, but you live in this like beautiful place and you have access to the outdoors. And like, yeah, but I'm alone. I mean, yes, and. And. I I think it's not yes, but. It's yes, and that comes with these other things which you don't necessarily see. I mean, we exactly. know we, you know, when we're looking at something that we want to look at or see, we see what we want. We see what we want. Exactly. Yeah. We see what we don't have and what we want. Basically, yeah. we don't understand it's a bigger picture. And and I don't like how like when people make the choice of traveling safely, mm-hmm. you know, and doing the precautions that frontline healthcare providers are saying what you do to travel, yeah. that they judge. They judge people for this stuff, and they don't understand that these people need to still live their lives. They need to live their lives, and it, that it is possible to do certain things. See, yes, yeah. you're not going to eliminate the risk 100%, no. but the, but you've never been able to in your right. entire life. You just had the illusion of it, and now it's mm-hmm. a little, you know, it's something different. And when you said, yeah, I'm, I'm driving, I'm going to come through, and, yeah. and can I stop by, and and I'm just like, yeah, of course, I trust you. Yeah. You know, and you're going to manage. And as you said, you like you take a test beforehand, make sure. Limited my exposure for a week. I mean, that's my life anyway. Yeah. And, <laughs> but like I usually go to the gym and I didn't go to the gym all week. Okay. Um, even though like they are being really safe too. Um, yeah. and, and, and John Mark, he stayed open. Yeah. Well, he closed. I mean, he, he had to close for a while, but then okay. he did like programming for yeah. people and like did more social media stuff. Um, which he doesn't love. Like, obviously, you guys understand too. Like, your yeah. real connections are in person. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, there was a period when, like, we were just tr- trying to figure out and 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 research and had good allies about. Okay, how can we do a symposium virtually? You know, right. where people, but that still allows the interaction. Oh, yeah. So that this like multiple cameras and multiple feeds and somebody mm-hmm. who's directing and whoever's calling in and talking you know the camera goes to their thing you know like all of this stuff right and we just and we, ultimately we realized like okay there's there's no way to replicate in-person group human contact no. and um you know regardless of how high tech of a system you put in place 
I need to touch, I need to see, I need to smell, I need to yeah. feel and energy, collective energy in a, you know, coalesced in a single room is a, is, is, is a powerful and un, you know, I'm going to say unmanageable, like it can't just be aimed and steered and right. I mean, probably some charismatic leaders you know you can't, because, it's not a tribe it, thing exactly yeah i mean and you were here when yeah for the symposium in, in september when blair was here and she kind of told her story oh, and yeah. then it just like gave permission for everybody else to be absolutely open and vulnerable and and authentic and that's the kind of thing that like it's like we're not going to have a symposium if that can't happen mm-hmm. and that's not going to happen in these sort of distant phone it in you know facetime zoom whatever yeah um, circumstances and we decided all right well we're going to take the risk we'll reduce the number of people in, you know d- down from you know 20 plus attendees plus our administrative side um we're going to you know narrow it down mm-hmm. so that there so that there are fewer people um but we're still going to have it yeah and so we did th- let's see may june may july and september so we did three and just told everybody hey here's the deal you know Full refund if you decide on the day, you know, on some day that you don't want to take the risk. Full refund mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you get sick and you test and you don't want to bring that here. You mm-hmm. know, you're not out any money. You know, this we're going to make this as feasible as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of not having as many people here I means the same work for us on our end. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously the let's just say the 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 financial upside was affected. Yeah. But the fact that we could still get together and commune yeah. and, and, and fellowship. And I mean, it was really, really amazing. And of those three, let's just say, uh, you know, no, nothing, you know, it was a fully negative outcome. Perfect. Which, you know, <laughs> proves, you know, proves in air quotes, you know, kind of once again, look, this is, this is manageable when we pay attention. Totally. And, and if we're looking after ourselves health wise, Yeah. Some people have gotten, I mean, a friend of mine, uh, you know, guy's in good health, you know, stays fit, climber, backcountry skier, you know, this, that, and, uh, um, and had three really bad weeks when he got it, which, um, so yeah, yes, younger, healthy people can, you know, have a profound negative effect, but generally people who are meant, you know, who are looking after their health, looking after their, you know, fitness, looking after their diet their nutrition you know the like hey i'm not gonna kill myself in the gym because my point is to make myself healthier not to like compromise my immunity by yeah i mean this is the first time i haven't had even a cold because when i'm not training yeah i mean that hasn't happened in years it's crazy when you give your immune system a little bit of a break from the constant training and go 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 and the pushing the pushing the pushing like i don't do and then probably threshold probably also support it yeah your immune system by totally. you know a ton of zone too mm-hmm. sort of aerobic type yeah know, and then those work. like those cold alpine splashes like that's really good for you too yeah 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 you know it's just for my immune system exactly it's not fun <laughs> at all i just no i have no fun no it doesn't uh, seem no. doesn't seem like it none at all um what now what next what now what next well <laughs> i mean i don't mean immediate right now i'm just because you're um 
So you, 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 you finished one job. Yeah. So I have a new career change happening in two weeks. So I'm taking a little bit of time. Um, and we, you know, well, going back to the like needing human connection, like it's, feel piney. I mean, I have piney connection. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, I am gonna kind of like dive off for a couple weeks and just, you know, um, not, uh, you know, it's gonna be weird. I haven't not worked for two weeks since I was probably 14. So I'm going to be checking my email a lot, like wondering why I'm not getting anything in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to really try to disconnect. I'm going to get off social media. I'm going to get off Strava. I'm going to um, be around a small number of people that I've, you know, we've created as our pod already um, mm -hmm. through all of this. And um I have a couple books I want to get into uh, and I just want to be outside connecting with places and people and not being distracted about the things I've felt really distracted for and by in the past, you know, however many years. And the new job isn't, it's obviously not in your town. Um, and it's pretty close though. It's pretty, so. But it's remote now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But everything is. Everything's remote. Had the work with. I mean, the, the work with Ergon was gen, very mean, remote. Gen, yeah. Generally remote. Yeah. Also. Except when events uh, were going on. Sure. Yeah. And then it's very, very non -remote. not remote. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was telling you, that was the funny thing. I came across uh, my projected schedule for 2020 the other day and I just mm. laughed at it. It was like no free time. It was literally like, okay surgery is on this date this is gonna be x amount of weeks so then i'm gonna start training and then it's like events happen the work events so then it, everything was color-coded too like work events were a certain color race events were another color coaching events were another color and then kids camp was another color and there was no time in between any of it and i looked at that and i was like fuck no not going back to that at i can't it's just not and i think a lot of people were operating at that level of just like go 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 and i don't think it'll be really interesting to see what we go back to yeah i mean i just don't think it's sustainable it, it probably never was it wasn't but it took um an injury <laughs> to, an injury to, a divorce a, like. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna say I, i'm using when i put injury in air quotes i meant an injury to society to kind oh, of yeah, point out totally. to people that look this is this is maybe not sustainable. I'm not, yeah. I, I don't think where we are right now is sustainable either. Well, do you know, so it de depends on what you believe in, but energetically, like uh, like astrologically, we're moving from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. Okay. And it's like, you know, however, like every 2,600 years or something. And it's like a really, really pivotal part of time right now. I, so the time of Pisces- I don't eat a lot of fish. Yeah, well, no, hear me out. No, just, no, no, no because it all I'm, makes sense, too. Okay, uh, so I'm ready. The age of Pisces is, um, so you think about, like, your life up until this point is really all about, um, so the love of power. So it's about attaining the job, the, the, like, climbing the corporate ladder or the achieving more, the, like, climbing that bigger mountain or doing, you know, whatever's bigger and better next and just trying. It's, like, very ego-driven and very just, like, go, go, go. And that's a... Pisces? 
That's a Pisces thing. That was the, and then going into the age of Aquarius is going from the power of love or the love of power into the power of love. So God. that's going to be a more holistic approach to life and the more balanced and a more supported and like not as like it's finding that balance of, you know, of like just it sounds wonderful. <laughs> I hope it's where, but it doesn't just happen, right? It does not like okay. So this is Didn't like the switch turn. on the no, on and the like day. they like any person who like follows astrology won't be able to give you a date or anything. Like it's a time period, and we're in that time period. So now you start seeing things like this happen of people questioning, um, you know, our political system and people questioning, you know, it. It's pretty amazing when you start like really diving into it. Not questioning questioning it hard enough but maybe it's that's starting just, maybe that's just a time thing maybe it just needs to be more consistently yeah i um, mean you would hope with like the things that have been happening happening lately are waking people up yeah i mean questioning everything i i hope i hope i mean it, but it hasn't you know hasn't done anything yet but 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 in the i want to say like historically in the past yeah the questioning was there just not enough of it? I guess was it or, not a scene because the like with because of the general momentum of everything else, and then and, also with the age of Aquarius, it's you know, a technolo- like there'll be like technology advances, and and they like they say that's like you know maybe with a vaccine or maybe with you know what you know um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But the technology, the technological advance, you know, that we describe. Um, you know that that we see social media as having been mm-hmm. didn't help. It was a. It, it could ca- have. It caused probably it, a lot of the. <laughs> oh, and and continues to facilitate a lot of because totally. it's just it's just it's just based on you know sort of exploiting the worst aspects of human nature, unfortunately. And despite all of the really good things, mm-hmm. you know, the many good things that have and can come of it, it's you know it's a. You know the the under in my opinion the, the underlying intent of these algorithms is uh, is poisonous. It's and, profit. It's for profit, and it's who. Yeah, it's, and it's controlled. You, I don't, it's crazy how people don't understand how everything you consume has been controlled by something, someone. Oh yeah. Like I can't understand and that how you, you are don't know providing that the, you are giving them the keys the to your kingdom exactly. voluntarily. I mean, yeah. it's and. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a fascinating thing to kind of look at. I don't know that it's possible for you know any participant to look at in objective terms, but I think there are moments when we can step back and like take a snapshot and and uh, and I, I I mean I noticed certainly I mean I didn't notice in the beginning because it's incre- the the, the it's behavioral small. changes that yeah. are caused. Are incremental. Those are very smart people who put this in place. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's and that's another reason why I'm looking forward to like jumping off for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it's hard because if you say you're not addicted to it, you're lying to yourself. Like we yep. we are all addicted to it. Oh yeah. We are, and especially right now during COVID, because it becomes our only way to connect with people. And and then we're accepting that as connection, and it's not real connection, and it's not real connection. I mean, the it's it has been interesting. Like some people that I've 
that you know who with whom I would have communicated via the social media Instagram or something yeah. like that or, or no it was the only one that I was really using um and like the number of people I've just sent my phone number recently I'm just like hey send me a text I'm exactly. not gonna I'm not here I'm not on this thing as you know mm-hmm. like I was I don't want I want to be on it even less mm-hmm. and if you want to communicate here you go yeah and and it and it works it's so much better it's so it's yeah. so much better. And like FaceTime is even better. And like FaceTime's the best if you're going to use any of it. And like, um, I mean, if you can't have real in life connection, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, no, social media is, uh, evil. Like, and we can, we can control how we use it, but I don't think people, there's so many people that don't even understand that. Yeah. Like, you but, can, so how do you, let, let's just say we're going to well, let me go back to the astrological thing, you know, yeah. as a Scorpio, we're both Scorpios. Yeah. But that doesn't say uh, every, like, I'd like to know what your chart is. Uh, for sure. But for yeah, but sh- our, sure. sun, our sun sign is Scorpio. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times you might consider the Scorpio to be an either or type of person, an on off type of person. So an all or nothing, an all or nothing yeah. type person. Oh, so yeah. I and, agree. And, yes. And, and so that right there means that we probably we can either we either can have social media or we can't. Right. And and uh, I I think I shouldn't. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't. And and the the you know we put out a podcast the social fasting podcast i don't know 3 weeks ago or something like that and and what from the day that we recorded that like i didn't it was probably 10 days uh-huh. that i didn't um before i went back to instagram mhm checked in realized like oh look at all the stuff i've missed right. my life's no poorer for it huh right. bye and then um but but i noticed the addictive behavior it's like so i've bad. Because I've wanted to follow, you know, sort of people's interaction with and response to the podcast with Blair Speed, you know, I've been like checking in a bit with a bit more frequency, but yeah. then I find myself get like the hook in my mouth and then I'm That's like, also our obsessive personality. Shh. Right shut, shut your mouth, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's why. not true. I'm, that is why we can't have it. <laughs> see, and I think that's it. It's just like, yeah, um, uh, yeah if, I, if I go... Uh, Use the diving board. I'm going to break my neck. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I should probably just stay in this, not the shallow end, because I'll probably break my face, but somewhere where the water is about six feet deep, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's good to know we have these innate traits, but I think it's also a great experience, a great opportunity to like have that awareness of like, yeah, I am a very all or nothing person. Can I soften in other places? Can I can I let go of control in certain places? Can I um, admit I'm wrong? Can I, you know, all of these things that are just great learning experiences and you can do them all, but you have to be aware of, you know, these are my innate qualities. So I have to work a little harder mm-hmm. to not just go down that direction automatically every time. And it's just like training. It just takes time. It really does seem like, Your injury, sur- surgery. <laughs> I've been and on this then, spiritual journey for a year. <laughs> and then COVID, you yeah. know, com- combined with that, which kind of enforced some isolation, which, you know, c- which allowed some yeah. introspection and exploration. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really seems like it's been a good thing. 
it's been the best thing. Like I said, like it's the, literally the hardest. Like I don't know if you also share this quality, but like I was never great at being vulnerable. You know, I was never great at sitting with my emotions or I that's what I pushed into training. If you're tired, yeah. you don't have to feel. Yeah. If you're pushing it like I could disassociate from my emotions in intervals because I was pushing my body so hard, I couldn't feel anything. And maybe since you didn't really want to feel anything, this harder. what allowed you to push that hard. Push harder. Exactly. Yeah. And that's also why it was hard for me to understand what was real pain and what was what was good, you know, just like normal training pain and what was bad pain. Yeah. And so for all of that to be taken away and to really have been um, have I've had a lot of time with myself, but I've I've been able to have access to groups and teachings and practices and this whole other world. I would not have been able to have the time, the patience um, to approach and it's been life-changing it's been amazing and it, like I can't imagine my life without it now the the access to insight that you have when you're not you know breathing at <laughs> greater than thresholds to vo2 max levels <laughs> you know when you can just kind of breathe and and all you're noticing is the breathing itself yeah it's a completely different thing. I mean, for sure. I mean, I I will never not believe in act, the active medi meditation that is available by by way of sport. Movement is meditation for sure. Yeah. The problem that I was having was that movement became my job, and that even though you weren't earning a living from it, even though I wasn't, but I was treating it and putting the pressure on myself and. As if. As if it yeah. were my job. Well, I was also comp comp I was competing at the level of it was my job. Yeah. You know. Um, well, if you can do well, you don't want to not do well. You know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to all or nothing, Let, Mark. Let's just, say all, all or let's nothing. just say all in. All right. Okay. <laughs> if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it as well as I can yeah. potentially do it. And I'm going to give it my full effort. Um, but yeah, it's amazing like when, um, and I would hear other people like, and cause you know, you think about, oh, well my recovery ride can be my meditation. No, you're so tired that your recovery ride is literally just moving your body to like get like, you know, the like nutrients moving throughout your body to like help recover. Yeah. It's not, um, you're still, your mind is still tired. You're still, you know. I had no idea the energy it was sucking from me until it was all gone. Yeah. And I was like, wow, there's so many hours in a day. You can do so much in one day. <laughs> so the injury was associated with really going too hard. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, and for too long, in, you know, yeah. in a way. It's like, okay, yeah, it's, an, it's a classic overuse thing in a way. Mm -hmm. And that's easy to go, oh, it's an overuse injury. And, and then people might not treat it as, as seriously as a catastrophic, yeah, I hit the guardrail and went over the edge and down the embankment type mm -hmm. injury. Um, the, but I think it's way more serious because it takes longer 
to establish the damage done by that type of injury. Yeah. And therefore, like, oh, yeah. So, I mean, if I think, I think I'm just like two guardrail accidents in my head right now, especially associated, well, let's say Taylor Finney and then Chloe Dygert. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, Mm -hmm. and so because they happen so quickly, they're also faster to recover from. Mm-hmm. in a way I mean for sure like if that's the first time you've come up in a confrontation with mortality okay that's going to be a bigger like right. that's more baggage but let's just say that the the injury the the slow creeping Chinese water torture type <laughs> thing that develop that, that develops yeah. into the overuse injury it's so much harder to overwrite because there was yeah. it's really difficult to identify what you did wrong you have to unpack a lot and you have to be able to really look at your shadows you have to really be able to look at the parts of yourself that you're not proud of that you don't want to talk about yeah that you don't even want to talk you don't even want to acknowledge to yourself let alone openly with other people but there's so much strength that comes from like working through those parts of yourself that it's like yeah i I can't go back to the way I was. This is a really slow pitch that you tossed and I'm going to hit it. <laughs> what don't you want to talk about? I'm and open y- to anything. <laughs> well, not one thing, but most things I'm open to. But, uh, but see, if I don't know what they are, I can't, I can't, I can't guide. The, it, uh-huh. But, I, but I understand the, that, that sentiment of, look, I need to confront this thing yeah I mean and if I just um, think about something that, you know that's sort of recent uh, that I realize like oh man I hate it when I do things unintentionally right especially when it injures another human oh, being and another person that I that I care about a lot if I'm gonna hurt someone I want to do it because I want to do it and if I do it by accident, I, man, it's, it's the worst feeling in the world. It's the worst feeling in the, in, yeah. in the world. And so there's a characteristic of myself. I'm not super, you know, obviously I'm interested in talking about it because I just brought it up. But, <laughs> um, but, but the, that, those are the kinds of things I think that, you know, when we can, when, when we back off from the edge of our obsession, you know, either voluntarily or otherwise and and have the moment and the space and the safety net ish Mm -hmm. type of thing that um that's when we can actually do the work yeah to 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 you know sort of confront ourselves ask ourselves then open well you guys were that for me you gave me the first time of like really like I love conversations like this. I was not having any conversations like this before. And that's like when I first met you, when you, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to talk about things I have not talked about to a lot of people, like in the first 10 minutes of meeting this person. Yeah. (laughs) Which was, which was great. And and I don't need, and I don't know why I was in a, like, I didn't want to. I know, I know. (laughs) be there and then you know reba you know said like you're coming and that rebecca well, that rebecca <laughs> she has connected me to like some of the most impactful people in my life right now 
she's a yeah she's an amazing human being she's super cool yeah yeah and but but then also like part of like not wanting to be there then kind of freed me like I didn't need to be whatever bullshit you know bring whatever bullshit self-image I had into that situation I was like I'm I, you know, I don't know why y'all are here, but you know, I'm broken. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. You could be is, your pure, authentic self. Yeah. You didn't have to wear any hats, any masks. No expectation, no nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm just a guy who, you know, who hates his bike and is not totally sure that his bike doesn't hate him or, or whatever. You yeah. know, it was that I was, you know, going through, you know, a, a, of changing relationship to exercise and effort and everything that Mm -hmm. like had been identity. And so I'm there with this, you know, kind of group therapy session in in a way. Yeah. And to meet, you know, people who are like just finding their way to the bike, Mm -hmm. people for whom the bike is, you know, integrated in their hearts mm-hmm. to, 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 you know, just sort of kind of curious people, the people for whom the bike, um, yeah, it was really neat. It was like, but I, it also, but it yeah. also is like, like you go back into this isolated place with this group of people mm-hmm. and it's almost like what happens at, is it Wild Horse Ranch? Is yeah. that what it's called? What happens at Gravel Camp stays at Gravel exactly. Camp. Exactly. <laughs> kind of in you know, in a way, in, yeah. in you know, in that emotional sort of sense of like, okay, I'm just gonna they're gonna see it by day four anyway, so I may as well fucking lead with it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And I just think I think it was just such a great example of like what real connections should feel like moving forward. So that was kind of like you know, the start of taking a look at my life and where I felt connected and realizing where a lot of places I did not feel connected at all and starting to connect the dots of like, okay, I need to follow my heart more than my head. Like just because something makes sense on paper doesn't mean it's right and that if it doesn't feel right, I need to follow that. Because um, so if the, I keep doing things that don't feel right, I'm not going to feel right. Yeah, yeah, you break yourself slowly. Yeah. Every drop slowly <laughs> kills you. <laughs> uh, until you're drowning in your own tears. No, <laughs> um, no but it really, it was like that was the start of it. Um, and then every conversation I had since then, like really just like started shifting um, my future changes. It's been really neat to see. And, <laughs> it's and been a it's wild sort of, fucking ride. Let me tell you something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Glad you like the view, but it's been like a fucking horse over here. <laughs> but it's, been, and, 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 but I think part of that also is you know has a little bit to do with the isolated small town thing. A that's that that kind of contributes well, to it's the. It's a lot of things too. It's like it's also not only I mean the life I had before, I mean marriage I was in was isolating in itself because of just um, you know, a bit of codependency and then being in a small town and then living in a life that we're traveling all the time and uh and then that just kind of puts you into like even a smaller corner of a small town. 
And then to through COVID divorce and start over in that small town and realize that, you know, these there are very few connections that feel right here because the connections i mean we were the talking about it briefly before the, con- yeah. Yeah, the connection was you know with an individual mm-hmm. would be you and your partner right. having a relationship or with- myself 10 years ago as we said i am a very different person than i was 10 years ago yeah and i hope i will be a different person tomorrow than i am today like or after this conversation you know like i need that evolution and that's why I have to get out of my bubble every now and then safely to make sure I am evolving and oh, yeah. continually to steering my life in the way that feels right. It's that's actually something that we, that has come up in, you know, Michael and I have had this conversation a number of times in the last year of mm-hmm. just like, yeah, we need, there's a, there's a, there's a kind of pull the wagons in a circle moment, mm-hmm. you know, in order to keep our group of people, sort of safe and taken mm-hmm. care of and in those early stages you know we it, it was uh it, it really was that it was pull the wagons in the circle it was just like okay what do you need what do, how are we going to look after and just you know okay little things that we're gonna as a company to make sure that everyone's fed etc we're buying half a cow and we're yeah. buying a freezer and it's going to be here at the space and whoever needs something takes something yeah and okay who's who's the person who's risking going out into the world to sort of forage hunt and forage or whatever <laughs> and then you know an order would be placed with that particular you know mm-hmm. i'll just say ashley she was awesome because she she was having to go to costco because you know she's got family then right. she's and so she would go out and take the risk and, and bring stuff back to us who were isolated yeah. and not willing to take that per- or, you know, willing, but we also yeah. needed to be, and she was, she was very generous and kind. And it, and it might've been something that we didn't where, you know, we weren't willing to take that risk or I was willing to take that risk with another, you know, with one other person or whatever. Um, so there was a very, there was a, the early on, there was that isolation period. And then mm-hmm. we, then it was really clear all of a sudden, you know, like, holy fuck, this, this is unsustainable. You know, we're going to go this crazy is, yeah. mm-hmm. and not in a good way. And so then slowly figuring out and educating ourselves to how do we open up a bit more, mm-hmm. expose ourselves a bit more to get what we, you know, yes, we're exposing ourselves to this risk, but we are preventing this other certainty. Yeah. And that was, um, and still is, it's just like, man, we got to pay attention all the time. It'd be so much harder in a city. I, you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, where do I go? I go to the grocery store and the post office okay same here and the and oh, no michael goes to the post office but i live in a town of how many people so the amount of people that are going to be at those locations considerably less than what they're going to be here sure and the people coming in and out are. but i know be... that if i go to sprouts at 9 30 at night <laughs> there you go you know yeah. that's when there are less people if i'm if i'm going during peak hours yeah the exposure is a lot higher but yeah it's that if I'm traveling, I mean, the amount of the fucking miles I've put on my car since June. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it, it, this is, uh, and, and, but, but that's a beautiful thing. Like, oh, I need to go somewhere. Well, if I'm in my car, mm-hmm. either alone or with 
Pioneers. Pioneers. So out right <laughs> it, now. Yeah. So, yeah. But then it's just like, well, man, I have, as long as I manage my, the, you know, the food sort of situation or yeah. whatever in, in the right way, I don't, I, I can get from point A to point B with ab- almost zero contact. Right. Um, well, that's what I did in, this summer with the van. Like that was the yeah. best gift I could have given myself this year. Like I, well, and I figured out I how to like. guess like September or something, right? Yeah, when, it was September. And I kind of like makeshifted the work van into like li- a livable space. Yeah. And, you know, obviously like stocked up on everything for my trip. And then, you know, I had my own space everywhere I went. Which is pretty cool. Oh, my God. Now, uh, moving forward, the van will be my next purchase. Okay. Um, I was like, oh, I should have. Oh, I bought a house this year, too. So I was like, I should have bought a van, not a house. <laughs> but I know having a house is good. Yes. <laughs> um, it's been great to have that, for sure. Um, but, yeah, the having the van would be nice. Uh, it was so great. I mean, it's neat to to be able to, yeah, to, okay, this is my bubble. You know, yeah. so I'm taking my environment with me. And, and we both know how I feel about cities. So, you know, I'm not going. This was the only city stop I ever I had on my trip. <laughs> yeah. And this will be the only city stop you have probably. I mean, because, yep. well, Ben's. Eh. It's small. Well, I'm ish. in like one place in that city. And then yeah. I'm from that house to the outdoors. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. We just have to be smart. And so it is, it is possible, you know, the number of. Man, it's probably pretty, like, it's probably hard to buy a Sprinter van right about now. Yeah, I have a buddy who works in the, um, like, conversion, okay. conversion world, yeah. and they are just, like, slammed. Oh, I'm, yeah. I mean, the same, the bike industry right now is, like, on a super production, like, backlog. Um, it's, it is wild, isn't it? Like, it's crazy. I, just, you know, um, yeah, the. My local bike shop here, Contender, you know, best year ever that they've ever had. But now year. they can't get any product. Well, yeah. I mean, it's totally fine when inventory is available. But right. now, you know, there's going to be a, a, you know, wherever the, the choke points are going to move. Right. You know, along the, the. Well, so that was a part of so, what I was doing for Ergon, actually, is that was a part of the, like, communication between Germany and Taiwan um, in the U.S. for our key accounts. And um, where it's going to be interesting. It's a tough time. Right oh now. yeah it's a really tough time like like production line down to like 2023 no kidding mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting I mean, and it's not specific to that industry it's you know oh, all every things, outdoor industry all things outdoors it's I mean yeah. it was crazy there was a the uh a trip i took in july i drove from here up to Coeur d'Alene and and when i got to the this stretch in in uh montana and i'm just driving through and and it, I mean, it, it, any state, you know, that, that I drove through on, on, on that particular trip, every single campground was full. Mm-hmm. Everything. And it wasn't like closed for seat, you know, closed because mm-hmm. of COVID sign. It's closed. It's just like, no, we're fucking full up. Yeah. Everybody became a camper. Mm-hmm. That, and the other joke that I had was like, uh, you know, everybody became a baker because there was a point I was trying to find flour to make tortillas. Oh, and yeah. I, <laughs> Everyone's like baking bread right now. It's so funny. I mean, there's there's baking, there's camping, there's you yeah. know all of the outdoor stuff. I mean, I went ice uh, ice climbing in Highlight Canyon outside of Bozeman. Uh, I was like three weeks ago or a month ago. I can't and and, uh, and the number of you know I remember it from you know days when ice climbing was less popular. Yeah, 
And holy shit, it's just like you can't you drive up. If you're not up the canyon early, you can't yeah. find a parking spot now. That was ne- like parking. Parking was never the problem, yeah. you know, before. And so just a lot more pressure on, on the outdoors. And, and lack of education. And there is some of that, uh, yeah, you know, sad. part. And the... The, well, what's really sad, too, is that a lot of the people that um, can work remotely now from big cities are infiltrating uh, small communities in the mountains, but they can pay the higher dollar. So they're, they're the housing, like, I am so grateful I got my house or I would have been screwed because it's just driving prices up in these small communities. And locals who have lived there forever really ruining their chances of buying a home. Yeah, or their ability to pay the property taxes exactly. as, the, as the values go up in a, totally. in a in a in a you know in a certain way and pushing them to other places or making it. Um, I mean, that, that there was, yeah, a friend of mine is a real estate agent here, and we were talking, and just like, yeah, houses are on the market and they're you know you've got 20 bids oh yeah it's insane in 24 hours and then people are paying like 30 to 50 over Mm -hmm. asking just to get the place and i'm just like that's great it's really going to change the dynamic of mountain towns or like outdoor access locations yeah and the scary and one of the scary probably not in a positive way (laughs) (laughs) just just, just assuming, just, just saying. You know what they say about assuming, but yeah. <laughs> but it's a human nature thing, and and the, yeah. the fact that here that like you think about the Wasatch and it's a pretty it's a small mountain range, mm-hmm. it cannot it, it can tolerate X number of users. Yeah, whatever X is, I don't know. Harriman, which is just west of Salt Lake City, was the fastest growing city in the nation sometime recently. And let's just say that, you know, some of those users are, you know, some of the, some of those people who moved there are going to be users of the outdoor environment. Yeah. Um, like it, it, it's, I mean, we're having you know, parking problems up the canyon. They're talking about having to put a gondola to go, to oh go up Little Cottonwood so that you park at the bottom and you take this tram, you know, kind of European style, which I'm not totally opposed to, um, I mean, it's fucking, it's, you know, people think, oh, the, it, it, yes, we have the Twin Peaks wilderness area or the whatever, you know, the, the, these wilderness areas that are here. Mm-hmm. It's no longer wilderness. I mean, it's front country. That place, like the, the pollution of the city is already having oh a huge God. effect on the mountains. So fucking put a gondola, you know, who cares? Pave the whole, like I, it, it's, <laughs> it's ruined already. So let's make it a little less ruined by limiting at least some of the exposure but part of the you know the issue here in salt lake was you know chamber of commerce did some deals with some of these big companies that wanted to move here and they said hey but if if we come we're going to need to you know people are going to want to move to work for us we're going to need x number of houses and you're just like okay fifty thousand. and i think that was the number i i I read about you know um, new homes apartments condos houses um, that are, are going to be built. And then you think like, okay, 50,000. So let's just say that's, I won't go, I won't say there's two cars that come with every new home buyer. You, you can assume that though. But let's just go, let, let's just do a, you know, 
just go 75% or whatever. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, instead. So it's, so it's, it's in 50,000, that's not a hundred thousand new cars that's 75,000 new cars, mm-hmm. but a, we don't have the surface infrastructure in terms of, you know, the freeways, the surface streets, et cetera. Right. But, and the parking. But we also, because of the the tendency for a temperature inversion here, we there's like there was no margin for error before, mm-hmm. and now you're in just injecting all of you know these new polluters, right? And I'm not saying games lock stay out, whatever. I mean, if it gets when it gets bad at some point, I mean, I'll just have to leave. Yeah, where are we gonna go? <sighs> Don't say it here. Well, no, say it no, here because we only not... got like four listeners, but yeah. whatever. Well, I won't say it for those four because, you know, yeah. we don't want those four <laughs> to follow us. <laughs> I don't know. The four, if they've been, if they're still, if those four are still they listening, might be cool. they might be cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was just listening to the Matthew McConaughey book on the way over here. So, like, I have his, like, tone in my in my head right now. Nice. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> be a lot cooler well, if you did. And, and it be a lot cooler if you didn't move there it'd be a lot cooler <laughs> if you just stayed home <laughs> i was, I was it's funny because i was just like you know i've been up to bozeman a few times this winter and it's utterly changed from what i knew back in the day and so yeah. and and some you know a friend of mine jack, uh jack tackle he moved there in the 70s he moved to when like the freeway didn't go, oh, you know, go sure through it was like seen a, so much change and and he still and he still owns a home there and uh um, and so he's seen the whole, he's seen the whole thing, some other f- friends who were there and they're just like, Oh my God, it's like, you know, 10,000 new residents, yeah. you know, in 2020 or whatever, which is, and, and so I just was like, ah, oh, I'm going to check Zillow and like get on and see real estate. And I'm like, Whoa. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't afford to go there. No. And, and nor is anything available. Dude, I know like that the, is why I'm so like the real grateful estate inventory, quote unquote, to have gotten my place before it. Like, I don't know. I mean, I have had some angels looking after me for some good things this year because there's no way. I'm so lucky I got when my did, place. When, when did you cl- eventually close? I on closed it? on on July 17th. And then the, de- it, I mean, the demand had already started. It had already started, but. Um, it was but you like, already locked in a price, I, and well, and then it was some... the last of like we do have community support for people who contribute to the communities, so we have housing, you know, um, support in place for locals. Okay, and it was the last place that was available. Wow. Yeah, and even like my real estate agent and like I just like everybody was really helping me out to get it, so it was nice. It was it. I was really lucky because you contribute to the community. I think I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I do. Um, no, so you I made live your, in a good you place. You kind of made your life. I mean, you got a little bit lucky, but you made. I your, created my life. Yeah. yeah, we we're all creators, and we all manifest our lives. There are no like, we've all earned everything we have. Yeah. Well, we hope. Yeah. I mean, I want to go down one more road. Okay. Before we. Is it ra- dirt? Yes. Great. Well, it's dirty. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, um, something that we've not ever like formally discussed, but tangentially, let's yeah. say, is the and, I, and I, I, I'm going to butcher this, but let's just say <laughs> the lack of female representation in sport, in terms of. Um, Okay, not only just the number of participants, 
which I see changing and has changed mm-hmm. dramatically, certainly in climbing in the last 10 years, 20 yeah. years. Um, uh, but more from an aspect of uh, support mm-hmm. and... Um, and I'm not going to say acceptance because I don't know. Because look, I, I can't. I can't see around the filter I have in front of my eyes. Exactly. But I also want to understand. Well, it's not like a. Com- it's not a one answer topic, right? Like it's. Of course, no. <laughs> no, nothing ever is. Which good ones are? Well, exactly, <laughs> you know, which... and it's it's a combination of things. I mean, I worked in marketing for a company so i've i see who the people are in place that make decisions mm-hmm. that needs to change first okay. of all there needs to be better diversity within marketing teams and women in the industry who have a say in where these dollars are going yeah because the people making those deci- decisions right now their vantage points are all very similar okay um and i see that changing um i mean slowly. i see it i see it okay um, I, I, I want to say I see it changing. Also, I didn't have like a time part to it, but I yeah. but I accept you're slowly because I mean of I course. was just in a marketing meeting the other day and the things that we were saying uh, with a, you know a different company and like um, and just like certain narratives need to change too. Like there are certain ways that people are speaking that have just been accepted for years and blown over and. Um, and there were a handful of female athletes on the call that called it out. And yeah. so more things like that. And it needs to be done in a way of education and not. Do you feel like five years ago you wouldn't have like on that same call, you wouldn't have been in a position where you something. could call it out and of course. and not pay in some way? Well, I think that's just, I, yes, I think that's accurate um, observation. But I think that is one to do with, you know who I was five years ago versus who I am now. Oh, okay. Um, so like how I've evolved in my confidence in my position and my voice within the industry. But then also, um, you know, more things just are getting called out. Yeah. So people know they can't just continue the the way that they were. And like this is the way it was, so this is the way it is. Right, and a lot of people yeah. correct themselves right away because they honestly, like we were saying before, you just don't know what you don't know. Like if that's the way that you interact with people your whole life and you're never called out on it, you're going to think it's always accepted. Oh, sure. I mean, I've had people in the industry where I've had to say um, like one person, one comment once was um, – made me out to be like the nagging female of like reminding someone to do something. Did he no, mean no, that? No, no, that's not Karen. That's Becky. <laughs> well, no, my name no, is in the trash it, too uh, this oh, year. No, yeah, <laughs> Let's just be I, real. No, no, I'm, just, I'm saying that's Becky, Becky. Becky's the new Karen. Oh, okay, but gotcha. anyway. Yeah, and I had to, um, and granted, I'm a very forward person. So um, I am, I hope more women can do the same and like you pull them aside yeah. and you just say very kindly that, you know, this is how that came across. This is how you portrayed me to that person. That's not me. You probably didn't mean it that way, but please speak about me in a different way. And it like, it, and like, if you do mean it in that way, we're going to have an issue. We're going to have another conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and someone might lose their job. No, yeah. Um, no, I mean, I just think we need to be better at communicating with each other. I don't think 
anyone, I think people just get away with a certain narrative and a certain way of operating for years and years and years that they just accept that as their truth. And unfortunately, we just have to like, not unfortunately, I mean, we just need to have a stronger voice. And when things don't feel right, I mean, it's happening. I just saw it like the other day in one day, like there was such a good example of like, Two different uh, media, uh, race media, like came out with like um, the 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 dialogue that they used was very like making it seem like women weren't racing bikes, and it was like you know a race for the bring your wife and kids or something. And um, this and it got called out right away, and it got changed. Nice. Will so more things just need to be called out. But the thing is, with that, that shouldn't even been out there. The team that goes in place that um, whether it be the PR team or the marketing team or whoever is the team who's doing your copywriting needs to be either a group that's diverse or mm-hmm. a person that has the the ability to be like, hey, can you read this and let and have and ask people that are out of their own mindset. And that yes. goes for more than just gender. That oh. goes for race. That goes for that goes for everything. It, like it goes f- for you know ac- the diversity of activity. Everything. Also, yeah. I, and and I think there's a um, there's a way of looking when you think okay, this is a, our our marketing effort. This is our public relations effort. And I just go well, no, those are both educational efforts. Yeah. And and if you look at marketing. You know, if you look at either of those in that way as an educational thing, like, hey, we are trying to, you know, transmit knowledge that ultimately, yeah, ultimately it might help sell this product. Right. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's kind of the job here. But the, uh, you know, as marketing, as public relations, or or whatever. But the the benefit of educating people is so fucking great. Right. That, you know, marketing and public relations are an, like are an automatic occurrence in the wake of an educational effort. Like, oh, I learned some, you know, I was w- looking at this advertising, I was reading it, and I actually, I fucking learned something. Bang, I already have a close associ- closer association with whoever provided that education. Let's right. just say, you know, in the climbing industry, it's like, okay, if there was a, you know, a, a period of time where I, this was kind of, <sighs> I'll just say that we imported mountain climbing equipment from Europe and, you know, <laughs> marketed it up without adding any more value to it and then resold it in the U.S., oh. um, which was a problem for me. You know, being a fucking middleman was an issue for me in, yeah. in, in a way, but but being able to guide the marketing program in a way that like, hey, here are some historical things that you should know about and why they are important mm-hmm. is because of the style and the intent you know, the the intent behind them and the style with which they were executed, and if that happened to sell a fucking ice axe, great. But I was more interested in sort of communicating mm-hmm. the aspects of the sport that were very influential on me. Yeah, and those are historical things, and yeah, they're mired in you know the the era, you know, all of the baggage of the era. And if I look at it, I'm just like, yeah, I was talking exclusively about white males. Mm-hmm. But in the sport that I was in, that's the only people that were, you know, many of the white folks spoke different languages. Right. 
because they're from different places. Right. But, you know, well, not I, I'm not biggest. looking at it through that lens right. at the time necessarily because other aspects of it were more were more important to me. But um, the but just communicating a bit of the history and the tradition and the style and this this uh, a particular aesthetic and like, OK, if this is our company, we believe that you should be using our equipment in a way that is consistent with these ideals. Now, most of you won't be able to because, you know, you're coming in at a level where you can't operate like that. Mm -hmm. You're still, still too scared. You still don't have the technical skill. Mm -hmm. And without both, you know, either, you know, the confidence or the skill, you don't have the latitude to behave in any other way than like what is automatic and, you know, fight flight. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, ultimately it's like this. And if we can keep communicating in that way, then I think ultimately the participants will become better. If they, if they, if they think that, you know, if they recognize the company as an educator, as a, as opposed to, um, you know, someone marketer. just as a marketer, someone's yeah. trying to sell me some shit, right? man, that's a, th th that relationship is more meaningful on every level oh, from, yeah. from economic to future to, to, from economic to evolution. I would think most companies know that that's the, you know, the primary focus of any, any marketing drive is you're just trying to create a connection to your brand. To something though, that is, that is real, that is real and yeah. meaningful and is also, you know, something that will be real and meaningful in the future or, yeah. or that you're, I didn't want to use that word, Karen, I but know. I know it's it's so. I mean, it's perfect it's, for what you it, were trying it, to say. That's yeah, kind of <laughs> perfect. Is. I shouldn't have resisted. You're right. <laughs> keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but going going back to your question about like gender diver yeah, diversity, I mean, right? Like, yes. Yeah, it's only it's you. You need to you need to have a diverse team. Yeah. You need to be putting out imagery that's diverse. You, I mean, if you see it, you can be it. Like you, you say that you know, oh, you know, most of your climbing um, colleagues are white men. That's because probably all that they saw were white men out climbing mountains. Well, and and I'm also speaking about a in a particular era. Now it's right, totally now, it's now yeah. it is totally different because they're doing that, better at like making things more accessible to more people and and reaching to different communities and just show like, and I think with um. I mean, we always can learn and evolve and um, do better. And uh, but w yeah, I mean, I was yeah. I mean, th there needs to just be more diversity on the teams making the decisions on what's out there. So what you see out there is more diverse. I mean, and obviously that seems pretty simple to me. Actually, I mean, does, I don't know it, why people make this so complicated. It, it seems pretty fucking simple. It's yeah. just like, hey, um, if if your message is diverse enough to reach more people. That means you've just like expanded the size of your fucking market. Like, yeah. why would you just talk to, you know, uh, so cute. He is so cute. <laughs> we should just market to Piney. You're a good boy. <laughs> you are. If Piney likes it, it's probably good. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Might be stinky. He's a really good read of people. He's a really good read of people. I can't. Yeah. If my dog doesn't like you, can't yeah you're lucky <laughs> i'm just kidding he likes he, i mean i've got a lot of good people in my life yeah uh yeah i mean it's not a it's not a it's not a it's not 
the the problem is is what becomes accepted over time i think is the problem and because that's the hardest thing to rewrite becomes entrenched yes and that yeah. becomes very hard to rewrite oh yeah yeah i mean especially when people are trying to protect you know certain positions yeah or protect what they, look this is we've got this thing and if it changes i might be you know I feel threatened in some way or or the, the yeah the, that's too bad which is <laughs> <laughs> feel sorry for them <laughs> yes uh yeah we all just need to do some self work <laughs> and uh and we won't be such assholes <laughs> and so both of us we can we highly recommend a injury and B COVID. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In order to steer you towards some self reflection. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I hope everyone took. If you come out of this year completely unchanged, I think you're doing it wrong. <laughs> or you're in a position that was reinforced by all of these events. Keep going. Okay. So let's just say that, hey, I'm in the business of providing groceries by mail order. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, but your social life still is different. Your yeah. home life will be different. I, I do, but I don't. But I don't care because this other thing is so fucking lucrative right now that I'm just going to ignore all bagging this groceries. Other, no, not bagging. Saying, oh, I, like the yeah. I own the company. Oh, gotcha. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys. Okay. The grocery. Higher I mean, up. okay. Mm -hmm. So higher up, like the the um the yeah. But don't you think, think that about they all would the have... people that COVID made billionaires? Okay, I understand that, but don't you think that by just seeing what has unfolded this year, even though your livelihood might have, I mean, in many ways, mine expanded a ton. Okay. Uh, but a lot of the other aspects of my life changed. So just by experiencing this year and seeing our political change, our, like, the, just, like, anything, the way people interact on the street, the way that, like, you know, I just, if you, you have to come out of this year ch changed in some way. For sure. I mean, you. I agree. You can't not have been changed, but I don't think that's universal. I don't think those changes have been universally now, positive. Yeah, of course not. I mean, it's like we're creating like the circumstances of greater isolation. We're like limiting the mechanisms for communication. We. Oh, like I, I mean, yeah, I know. Like the mental health crisis. Um. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and that's going to be one of those things we were talking about okay yeah the children are affected long term mm -hmm. okay the mental you know our mental health as human beings is has been already affected and it will continue to affect us and others anybody with you know who lived through that year you know long term you know in in certain ways and the number of relationships that have been like tested and found wanting in like 2020 it's just like man i guess we just it wasn't couldn't tolerate the stress right or we couldn't tolerate the stress and so then we brought that home and then that fucked up the relationship but or our um, lives completely slowed down enough to realize that this just wasn't right nourishing me in the way that 
it might have appeared to do when I wasn't when I was too busy to yeah. think I needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think there'll be some pretty. I have a. Uh, I had the funny saying that 2020 was the year of babies and breakups, babies or breakups. You're even either having babies or breaking up. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of both. I, I think there's a lot of both. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and the, the the couples that bought the van that now have twins, <laughs> they're gonna need a bigger van. They're gonna need a they're gonna need a sidecar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's not gonna work. But you know no. what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna need a trailer. The, tra- the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the teardrop trailer in the back of a sprinter van. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I won't say it. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's true. I mean, I had a relationship that ended this year. Yeah, know, we part, both did. Partially that stress, and yeah. um, and some of that was for sure. Like slowed down a little bit. Some opportunities to do things, you know together but away mm-hmm. went away but in I a good in a good relation re- good relationship you shouldn't have to go away to be in a good relationship you oh. shouldn't have to go away and like have the shared experience to be happy in your relationship to be yes fulfilled in your relationship you should be fulfilled well one you should be fulfilled by yourself let me tell you mark boom <laughs> <laughs> All right, it took us however many hours to get here, but we're here finally. Yes. One, you need to be very fulfilled on your own. Like yeah. you should never, never, never think of someone else is going to fill you up and uh, self-sustaining. I think it's human nature to need a real connection and companionship, but yes. that companionship should not be fulfilling something, filling something up. You, you, it should be accentuating something and making something better together but like you should be good apart too like oh yeah and the codependency thing i hope that broke up a lot of people's codependencies if you were in a relationship where looking you know outside to this thing that's gonna make it better oh that's bullshit too well Yes. What all, all I'm saying is, when I say looking outside, I'm thinking like, okay, the activities, the travel, the, you yeah, know, yeah. the oh, stuff okay, that, yeah, yeah. that not like, hey, I get my this satisfaction from. Or, no, but yeah, know. reaching for something that yeah, I got you. Or, or or counting on a certain future to you know that that will be you know okay if we do all of these if we suffer right now it'll be better then. Oh yeah. Or if we go do that, it'll be great because it's not this. Like if that's the relationship, obviously it's a dead end. But yeah. you know, but a lot of us have been in that place, and we've learned that that's a dead end. And we've learned that that's like <laughs> not gonna. Um, no, and y- even y- like, it's, I yeah, it's not that. sustainable. No, and like that was like a big shift too. Of like, yeah, I have this amazing career opportunity. A career is not going to make me happy. Oh no. A, 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 yeah. a, a career could like a, a good career could make you less unhappy exactly <laughs> what what it can do is create security yes and grounding for me yeah but it's not a source of happiness and fulfillment and security and that groundedness is f- the thing from which other opportunity can grows grow. yeah. yeah exactly yeah um yeah, too many people grasp for things to like to to prevent feeling any negative emotion. Like whether it's a relationship, whether it's exercise, whether it's food, whether it's whatever your thing is, mm-hmm. like 
like we've just gotten to be so used to like not to just trying to distract ourselves from feeling anything not positive like it's like that toxic positivity that you have to always be up all right that's the name of the episode toxic positivity by karen (laughs) jerko exactly (laughs) (laughs) i'm a pretty positive person too so and it's it's, not toxic at all and i'm not talking yeah yeah but but i think you're right that like the reaching ahead or outside of is often the thing that that um keeps us from looking at what is oh, of and, course. Or, or allows us to you know to to, to evade what is mm-hmm. and i think 2020 was the year of like okay there was no looking ahead because who fucking knows what's going to happen there was right. no looking outside because those to do something because those opportunities were quite restricted mm-hmm. um and so then it's all like looking in the mirror or looking at you know, the, the person who's across the table from you all the time, you know, whatever. And if that's, um, and, and then suddenly, okay, without the distraction of possible futures or, you know, adjacent activities or yeah, whatever, what do you have? then what do you have? And if it's not enough, it's not going to survive. And, exactly. if, and if, if, and if what you have is love and mutual support and respect and acceptance, then man, you might have a chance. Totally. Another, I think it's important, well, for me personally, it was also a growth of not looking at those past experiences as a mistake or it's just everything serves a purpose. Yeah. To run on a ladder, I mean, or some metaphor. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And it's your biggest teacher. Like, yeah. Um, so even when those things are stripped and you look at each other and you realize there's nothing else there potentially, um, you know, you just thank them and you move on. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, hip is good? Hip is good. Um, yeah, I mean, I still work on, you know, I mean, my body always has a little something here or there, but sure. who doesn't when they you, push it hard? Yeah, I was going to say, because you use it. I use my body, yeah. so you have to tune your body. Mm. And uh, um, so I still, you know, stay up on my rehab stuff. And when I don't, I can feel it. But nice. um, but yeah, I had no idea what it could feel like now, and it's great. And so that means there's, you know, the map of opportunity ahead is somewhat. It's more pretty cool because I'm wide. like, wow, I could like really like. I thought about like getting into like mountain running, and you know, it really opens the door of like, oh, what do I really want to do, and like. Uh, but yeah, who knows? We'll see. Might do a few things. Good. Might be a surprise. <laughs> got to keep some things up my sleeve. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got a long drive tomorrow. I have a long drive tomorrow. I know I need to get some sleep. Piney's yeah. already been ahead of me with his sleep. I mean, he's, he is, I, I'm, he's I'm, not a good driver. So <laughs> really I have can't. all of it for myself tomorrow. <laughs> it's true. You can't totally share. He's a pretty good conversationalist though. Yeah? Yeah, he's got some good thoughts. He knows all my secrets. Does he know, can he sing along to, with the stereo, though, sometimes? Uh, no, but he doesn't mind my singing, so okay. he's the best road companion. That is a good road companion right there. <laughs> Can't harmonize, but I'm not going to say no. But you sound great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so glad to have him on this trip. Uh, it's so, f- I mean, having a dog is the best gift through all this. Oh, 
Oh my god. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just realized. <laughs> I was just like, sorry. Ah. <laughs> Foot and mouth. Uh, no, not at, not at all. Because it's part of the yeah. ex- experience. You know, we yeah. thing. You know, people and animals come and go, and um, everything in life is impermanent. Yes, including ourselves. Yes, <laughs> and we need to. And and the fact of you know, if I was thinking, if if there was a point when I was counting on a particular future. That included Sparkle. Yeah, you know that's a, um, it, that was my you know to to be counting on that future. That was my fault. Mm-hmm. But every moment that I spent with her, or shared with her, I enjoyed. Then I gave myself over to it a hundred, you know, completely. Yeah. So I got I, yeah. The outcome is a shame, but, uh, yeah, I don't have. I was gonna say I don't have regret, but that would not totally be true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Piney loves you. I think I love Piney. Do you hear that, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I did. I'm really tired, though. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Love you too, man. <laughs> exactly. I think. Yeah. If you just throw that t- throw that toy that one last time. No. I would for sure have loved you. But. Yeah, I mean, t- Piney was, like, one of the first uh, tools in, like, the realizing, like, you know, he doesn't care if I race or not. Yeah. He doesn't fucking care. All he cares about is that uh, he's fed, hiked, ski- like, taken out on adventures. You are his person. And I'm his person. whatever comes with that, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's true, his catalog, it needs to be hiked and skied. and A lot, yeah. yeah. It's so funny because he actually got kennel cough, so through all of this, he had to quarantine, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Wait, quarantine from other dogs? Yeah, but in, or, or in where people. I live, that's everything. Oh, yeah. Like, that you go down the street and there's a dog. So, yeah. And it's like, I don't know if you've ever had a dog with kennel cough, but it's heartbreaking. It's like they cough until they throw up, and um, it lasts a long time, and... Um, I've known people who've gone really hard on the Airdyne or the assault bike. It sounds like that. It's, it's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just as torturous. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Ex- except uh, that goes away after you know, like a day. Yeah. So it's like it was like three days, but then antibiotics for like, you know, I think he had to like, I don't remember how long, but it was too long for a cattle dog, especially because you have like I was a little bit more particular and kept him away a couple extra days when he was completely cleared. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, wow, so this is what you would be like if I didn't exercise you. <laughs> I was like, everyone says you're such a good dog because you're always so tired, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but I have no. some uh, some furniture at home that uh, Sparkle are destroyed. destroyed. Cu- cu- no, she, they're customized. Ah, Sparkle yeah. custom. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Tomorrow's gonna be a big drive. So. Yeah. Let's. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm gl- I'm glad this finally happened. You know. I think we could go deeper at some point, but for right now, is the. Covered some good ground. Thank this you. This is all you got at one time, and I'm done. You're never yeah. getting me back here. I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I'll buy I'll buy some kind of super cool toy for Piney that you okay, have, then that, we'll come that back. isn't available. Like you can't get it by mail. You're gonna have to come back and, and he won't eat it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> thank you, right. Mark. Thank you. It's wonderful. It was really great.